Welcome back to another episode of Cinema Wheeler Tay. It's Sean, Tony, and Scott as usual. Hello. Hello. And uh, today we're going to one of our famed top five lists, <laughs> yes. which has become <laughs> kind hope, of a standard. Yeah, we lately. hope you guys enjoy them as much as we do. Yeah, they're always a lot of fun. Uh, especially when mine turn out to be the best list, I, <laughs> oh. I think that's that's a fan. That's a fan I, consensus. Oh, I think that's debatable. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. Let's know what list is the best. You yeah. know, <laughs> or just, it's not a competition, but or just know. say that Tony's the only woman and she's the best. Yeah, there you go. That's that. that's right. That's right. That's actually a valid point. Uh, <laughs> it's about very valid. Uh, today, though, we're going. I, I think it's something we haven't really tackled, which is an individual actor or movie yeah. star and their top five performances slash. Yeah, because we've done directors, but we haven't really focused on actors. Yeah, and we're all big fans of different actors, so it's good to delve into that end of it. Uh, And this actor, I think, is somebody different. Maybe not who you would assume we would initially pick. No, it's not. Uh, It's not really. It's not Audrey Hepburn. I I think he came up because he's very relevant right now. Uh, He's had kind of a semi-comeback, in a way, this month. Yeah, a resurgent, yes. A A reemergence, Thank you, thank you, thank you. A resurgence. I'm still working on my coffee. Not that he went away, but I just think he's reinvigorated in a way I haven't seen in in a long time. And that would be uh, Jim Carrey. Yes. Uh, I... I uh, Jim Carrey, of course, probably the big one of the biggest comedy stars of the 1990s, if not Absolutely. the biggest. Absolutely. I would say he's the biggest. He's the biggest. Yeah, he had such an impact. Yeah, he did and on movies and TV. He did. I mean, you know, he, his work with Living Color. Yes, yes. From his standout work. Yes, he he started out as a sketch comedian mm-hmm. and then went into uh, movies in a big way in 1994. He had three major hits in the in same one year. year. Yeah, That's... three three defining. Hits. I mean, those are like the biggest of his career. Probably. Yeah, that probably are the the three yeah. movies that define him as a comedic actor for sure. I know most. I'm a host of a movie podcast, but that was all in the same year. That was all in the yeah. same year. Oh yeah. my god! So 1994 it was Ace Ventura at the beginning of the year. Then The Mask came out during the summer, and then Dumb and Dumber at the end of the yeah. year. So it was bookended throughout. So the 1993 year. was a crazy year for him. Can you imagine? Oh, yeah. Yeah. filming yeah. Yeah. And then 94 was like his life yeah. has completely changed. changed. Yes, yeah. He yeah. overnight was a huge star, and then he of course became the Riddler and Batman the following year during that peak which yeah. we will allude to <laughs> we'll allude to that I in a number smell of ways that on somebody's top yeah, yeah, no, no, it may not be there but uh um and then of course he would eventually go into like more dramatic or stereo darker under you know which movies are a little enjoy. darker undercurrent yes yeah. there's that element yeah. uh and then you know had a very interesting career and i think lately it may not fallen out of favor but i think that he wasn't the movies weren't striking a chord with people like they had before. Well, I think he was going through an existential crisis of sorts. Uh, yeah, I know in his personal life he was having some challenges with you know the relationship that he was in, and I think that probably prompted him to take a step, just a step back. Yeah, you know, and, and kind of realign and, and recover. You yes, because there were some serious allegations. Um, if I'm not mistaken, you know. Yeah, they, they, I kind of remember uh, some of yeah, vaguely yeah. some of the issues. So just a lot of heavy stuff that I can only imagine would weigh on somebody. And the last thing you want is to put yourself out in a public forum oh. for criticism and critique and, and, mm-hmm. and extra drama that you probably just don't need or want. And I think he's always been honest about dealing with depression like a lot of comedians mm-hmm. do oh, yeah. and, and, and kind of, you know, anxiety and... You know, Which is what fuels a lot of the comedy, I'm sure, for him. And, and you know, that's one of the things that I love the most about Jim Carrey, just as a person, because I really do like him a lot. I mean, you guys have heard me mm. talk about him 
in the past just as a human more so than an actor is he really is a genuine guy and I love you know he's a believer in um the law of attraction which that's something I subscribe to he just seems to have a positive attitude he didn't have the easiest or best upbringing um when he gave a he he did a commencement speech I don't remember what university it was and it was probably I don't know, maybe 10 years ago now. You can find it on YouTube. I, I can, I'll can. i make sure before the podcast's over, I'll figure out what that is. We can put it in the notes. Um, it we can really even post touched, it, too, yeah, on the website. Yes, we should. It really touched my heart, and and I saw him in a different, in a, in a deeper way than just the goofy characters that he plays. And he shared about his background and about his relationship with his father, who had, is now passed, actually passed away in 1994, mm-hmm. um, who was always his biggest supporter. You know, an encourager, and it just, yeah, I think he's a really, just a good human. He, I really like Jim Carrey for the same reasons you mentioned, too. There's an authenticity to Mm -hmm. him. He obviously is passionate about his comedy. I think more than money, I think Jim Carrey really enjoys entertaining a crowd, though. I think he really loves being an entertainer, which a lot of the great comedians are that way. They don't do it just for the money. They do it because they love comedy. Mm -hmm. And I think Jim Carrey certainly fits that bill. Um, I know he was compared to like Jerry Lewis early on because Jerry Lewis was, was the so other over the top. Yeah, but I thought Jim Carrey was a little more sophisticated. And when I re- read recently that a big influence on Jim Carrey was Dick Van Dyke, I said that yes. makes more sense to me than just. And that was because of his dad. His dad was actually a really great comedian. He never performed. Yes, but his father, he he always accredits really learning everything he knows from the guidance of his father. He said his father was which, very funny. Yes, yeah. and which which his father would have been from the Dick Van Dyke era. You know that would have been who he idolized so right. it's natural that jim carrey would would grow to idolize dick too and we all love dick van dyke oh, yeah. I, mean, I think he's phenomenal um and another just what appears to be a, just a truly genuine guy fun what you see is what you get yes kind of guy if mm-hmm. people have an opportunity to it's always interesting to see people as they're starting out and jim mm-hmm. carrey like his early roles are really interesting to watch like he was in this movie called once bitten that used yes. to be on hbo constantly it's a terrible <laughs> uh-huh. movie the 80s yes. wasn't nick cage in that or? uh no he did one that's another movie yeah yeah that was a francis ford coppola movie yes, he was with, in. with uh kathleen turner yes yes it was a big hit when i was time. a kid i used to watch that because it was based in the 50s and i've always yes. been obsessed at a young age i developed an obsession with you know the 50s and that Aesthetic. Yeah, that's exactly it. That mm-hmm. was another I remember role. watching that. As a, yeah. And it's great to watch that because of all the ensemble, like Nicolas Cage and Jim Carrey, probably it's, about the same age. It's a little bit of, you know, out. Peggy Sue got married. I always like, when I think back on it and I watch it today, it's, in a weird way, it feels like it would be a David Lynch film. Mm. Yeah. I, Do you know what I mean? There's yeah, that, that kind there's of, that dreamy quality, that, yes. that, that weird, doesn't really quite make sense. Yes. You know, it's, 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 there's a, yeah, it's, a, I don't know if maybe Coppola was going for that. Oh, or, I'm sure he cause, had cause, that cause, Because David Lynch, you know, had just come out with Blue Velvet mm-hmm. and, and thing, you know, there was also um, Kubrick at the time. These, these sort of uh, surrealist uh, directors were yes. out. So I that's don't know. That's true. Well, Coppola, like Apocalypse Now is very surrealistic mm-hmm. in its own way too. So that's, he draws from that scene. Yeah. He taps into the same waters yes. as some of those guys. Once Bitten was like always on HBO. That was a vampire comedy mm-hmm. with yeah. Laura Hutton. Yeah, she's uh, so Laura pretty. Yeah, and then there was cool. uh, the butler was actually her her uh, limousine driver in the movie because she was like a billionaire vampirist. You know, uh, <laughs> was uh, God, I can't. Believe. I always think of that song. Playbot Little, who from Blazing Saddles was her uh, oh, limo driver. Wow. Okay, uh, that was one of his later roles. 
Well, uh, there goes that suit. I know. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But, Best line in cinema. <laughs> but it's funny about that movie. That movie was retroactively put on HBO. Yes. Because... Well, when he became the biggest star in the world, they just kept ah, finding everything. Because I used to watch it as a kid. Yeah, you're yeah. right. It was on TV. Yeah, but it w- they didn't play that before 1994. It was a, b- a bust. Right. Yeah, yeah, but after 1994, it's like, hey, we have this Jim Carrey movie. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to see Jim Carrey, and yeah. and uh, the other movie is Earth Girls Are Easy. Yes, yes. with um, Le- Tay Leone or no, no Gina Davis. Gina Davis. That's it. It's got it's got an amazing cast. Yeah, yeah. Gina Davis, uh, Damon Wayans. So it's a living color. That's cat. actually that's, that's how he met them. Yes, and and and, and, yeah. and Damon said, "You need to meet my brothers, yeah. Marlon." And then that's how they got Jim Carrey on a living color. And Jeff Goldblum. Yes, oh, Jeff Goldblum. What a treasure! I mean, that's amazing. That I, is, especially that is. the late Gina 80s. Davis is phenomenal oh, too. Davis. I love her. I mean, in everything, League of Their Own and Glow. Yeah, she's she's just a cool League of Their Own girl. is one of the great movies. We should cover that sometime. Oh, yeah, that's, we should. We really yeah. ought to. Another early role that I love, like, that people should check out the clip, is like a small role, but Jim Carrey was cast in a Dirty Harry film directed by Clint Eastwood himself. So Clint really? Eastwood is one of the few people. What movie? It's called The Deadpool. Not Deadpool. Like, <laughs> the, dead the Like the Ohio pool. State University. Yeah. And it was like one of the later Dirty Harry films from the late 80s. And okay. the scene involves Jim Carrey playing an Axl Rose-styled heavy metal frontman that's drug-induced and crazy, and Liam Neeson plays the director of the video. So this wow. is before either of them are really established as stars, and it's great because when you watch this, like, oh, that's full-fledged Jim Carrey and full-fledged Liam Neeson <laughs> going full <laughs> yeah. throttle. Because I think Clint Eastwood as, as a director is very actor-friendly, and, and yeah. Jim Carrey even gave ideas, and he wasn't even established as a star yet yeah. to, Jim, to Clint Eastwood, and Clint Eastwood still took his ideas and go, let's just see how the kid go, you know, and have him do whatever he wanted to do. And I'll tell you, you know, it is really freeing when you're in a creative environment, when you have a mentor, a boss, a leader that gives you that freedom to explore and that that has that trust in you. That, that, that is a beautiful gift that you can't even monetize intrinsic, the intrinsic value behind it. Uh, you know, early on when I used to be a florist, when I was Mm -hmm. a kid, when I was a teenager, I had a phenomenal boss who really gave me a lot of freedom creative reign he let me i would give him ideas on things i wanted to try and here i am i'm just a high school kid i don't know and he'd say do it sometimes they worked sometimes they didn't and that's i think it was a great way to develop somebody and so that's really cool yeah and i don't hear that too often of directors especially with comedians no you don't um what i think i'll say about clint eastwood whatever your feelings are on clint eastwood he is undeniably an extremely gifted filmmaker mm-hmm. and actor. I mean, he's yeah. a great movie star for a reason, but as a filmmaker, he really knows what he's doing. A lot of actors who go into filmmaking, you can kind of tell it's a vanity project. I don't think that's the case with Clint Eastwood. I think Clint Eastwood likes legitimately great films. I think he knows how to work with mm-hmm. actors and bring out the best in them. So yeah. that's a good experience for an actor to work Absolutely. with someone like that. Absolutely, yeah. So what did you guys, like, what was your first exposure to Jim Carrey? I think we're all going to have the same answer, because I think we all come from the same stock. But how did you become a fan? What was the thing that caught you, not only did introduce you to Jim Carrey, but made you a fan and appreciate him? You want me to go first? Or, yeah. Scott, you want to go around? I, I can go first, and okay. then we can just work away, man. Um, yeah, so I think my answer is probably going to be the same as Sean's. It's like we saw him on Living Color. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we used to watch that, because we were a big Simpsons family. Or we, we watched Fox Sunday Nights, I think, right. was probably the That's best. That's so Ed Wheeler. One, I mean, it was one of the best comedy nights on television. You yeah. had Living Color. I think the, the, the John Leguizamo show was on there. That was a great show. Great yeah. show. A funny show as well. And they had The Simpsons on there. 
And, and Married with Children, I think, was in this. Oh, I used prime. to love Married with, Ch- Mary with Children. Married with Children. But we, we were watched, just talking about that the other night. Yeah. But we watched. I watched In Living Color every week. I mean, I, I at least for the first couple of years it was on, and um, I was a big fan of Damon Wayans. I thought he was the funniest. Mm-hmm. I thought he was the breakout on, I, on the I, show. I, I'll be honest. I was not a huge Jim Carrey fan at that time. Yeah. I thought Damon Wayans and David Allen Greer were my favorite members of that cast. Yeah. And Damon Wayans was actually the breakout star that first season, oh. I think, because of Homie the Clown. And yeah, yeah Homie Don't Play That. Yeah, 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 it was funny. And, and the, the critics yeah. two snaps. Up. Yeah, two snaps. Yes. But, uh, you know, Jim Carrey, Fire Marshal Bill was funny. Yeah. I always liked that character. <laughs> he was so was insane. Crazy. It kind of reminds me of like a character I could see you playing, Scott. Yeah, yeah. I could yeah. do that. Like, what you talking about? You know. What you talking about? I love that. <laughs> and then... And it was clearly like he wasn't just the token, the token white guy on the show. He was like he was the chosen white guy. Talented. He was just he was just this unique. Even then, is like this guy is like because a lot of shows like that you just see someone is like oh, but just like this guy is doing stuff that's he's it, going one hundred ten percent on every scene in a way that most people yeah, don't and his him. his stuff was all insane. It was all this absurd, <laughs> insane stuff. I mean, I think as a kid, now I appreciate it more. Yeah, and I think it was, but kids didn't like it. But I just, it was just so. Damon Wayne's had, I think, was this more seasoned. sardonic. Yeah, yeah. I like the Wayne's brothers. I mean, they're. They're undervalued about. Well, Jim Carrey was about their... incredibly animated. Yes, and I don't think we've seen anything. No, outside of a cartoon. No, be that animated visually. No, you know, I mean, he was like a walking cartoon, and that's why, you know, I just when you said that he was like the token white guy, I said he was the chosen white he was guy chosen. for that I mean... show with good reason. You know, he was unlike anything anyone I think had ever seen. When you think about that show, the, the yeah. people that were on it, just like Jennifer Jamie Lopez, yes, Jennifer Fly Lopez, Girl. Fly Girl, and who else was on? Was Jamie Rosie- Fox, was uh, Rosie Perez, I Rosie think she Perez. was on it. Yeah, uh, Jamie Fox mm-hmm. became an Oscar winner. Yes, and he's extremely gifted, really versatile. J Lo just talent. performed one of the most talked about performances ever at a uh, halftime Super Bowl show. I yeah. mean, everybody from that that crop of comedians has turned into something. Yeah. And I, I'm a big fan of Keenan Ivory Wayne's. And, Me too. And, and I love all I love, I love that. That yeah. show was legitimately one of the, it, it, it was probably, I think it was stronger than SNL maybe at that time. It probably was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I think they also, they were very irreverent, which I loved. Yeah. They did not take themselves or the show that seriously. They really put, I, I, they always fought the networks too because mm-hmm. of creative control. They always wanted to do different things. But I don't. Th- I think, like you said, Scott. I don't think they get enough due for their contributions to comedy. Yeah, and they it, deserve more credit for that. For for me, as a comedy person, that's one of the. If I look back and I'm honest about myself, that's one of the first comedy shows I got into because I'd be about ten, eleven years old. Mm-hmm. So, Living Color was one of the first. Like, oh, this is. I understand. You know, I'm not just mm-hmm. liking kid stuff. I'm not just laughing at you know. Uh, you know, cartoons or something like this is a adult show that I'm laughing at and understanding. And, and they had a cartoon logic too. They weren't afraid yeah. to be ridiculous exactly. or over the top. Yeah. And... Well, they had Jim Carrey on. Well, yeah. I mean, Fire Marshal Bill. He was always blowing himself up. <laughs> and then the next scene, he'd be half, you know, singed. I mean, yeah, you know, he was. He was a. He was a. It was a. He was a Looney Tune character. Yeah, he, he was. was. He really was. The last Looney Tune character was. I a... remember when he was plugging things into the outlet. You know, like Sal. Yeah, plug it in. I mean, he. I. I you know, just. A, to tag into this conversation because I think we obviously all have the same introduction. Mine was too, as in Living Color. I used to yeah. watch that as a kid with Cindy. Yeah. 
and I always love the Fly Girls because I love the dancing. Yeah. <laughs> but but Jim Carrey was certainly my favorite. Fire Marshal Bill was my favorite character because it was just so. And I loved, of course, Homie the Clown. Homie yeah. the play that. I've always I've always um, been drawn to odd characters with unique qualities or taglines or you know when I think about my most beloved characters on SNL. You know, what's her name with the doll hands? They always have, like, that unique thing. And Fire Marshal Bill had that unique something. Homie the Clown. Yes, you know, was, Anyway, oh. but I just, he, he used to make me laugh. And it's funny because I didn't know who he was. You know, a lot of times when he would play the characters, he would get so immersed in the makeup and everything. You did, so you didn't really see Jim Carrey. Yeah. No. So when So years later, when he came on the scene with Ace Ventura... It was almost like a rebirth. I didn't realize that that was the same guy mm-hmm. wow. from In yeah. Living Color. Because I was also a lot younger. You know, we're talking, I was born in 85. So, yeah. 94, I was nine years old mm-hmm. by the time Ace Ventura was coming out. I was in high school when this happened. <laughs> That's how old yeah. I was. So, I was point. even younger, though, watching yeah. In Living Color, not really putting those pieces together. Right. Yeah, you would have I been just, five or six yeah, years old. When I that just show knew was what on. made me yeah. laugh. Like, and Fire Marshal Bill doing the crazy things. I remember yeah. one time he put the, the socket in, like, the fish tank. And, yeah. and it was like it had like the skeleton electric thing. I mean, it was just. <laughs> oh, for that age, I would have been a perfect. Exactly, comedy, it was yeah. just so silly. It was like a Looney Tune, but with it a was. real person. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know why. I wish I got it. I no, I enjoyed. I enjoyed Fire Marshal Bill. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 there's no doubt about that. <laughs> His outfit. But uh, I didn't know. I think now I appreciate the sophistication of what that was doing. Yeah. Yeah. I get it on a, I, I get it on a much deeper level. <laughs> I understand Fire Marshal Bill on a deeper level than most people. It's and, uh, a good way to be. Let me show you something. But I just, you know, it's just great to point out that show because I think it gets forgotten yeah. as a show, and there were so many stars at it, and it was. I think it was it was probably the it was the sketch comedy show uh, for a couple oh, of years. Yeah. It was. I, I think it because um, SNL started to have like Adam Sandler and and yeah, and I don't they had their moments, but they weren't you know. I think the late '80s of SNL were really strong. Yeah, but uh, I think it kind of got that. It but, had a little bit of a lull in the early '90s until about '94 when you had like Sherry O'Terry, Will Ferrell. Tracy Morgan, there was kind of like that new crop of comedians in the mid '90s that Molly Shannon, exactly, Take Amy Poehler, that you know. And you know what? You know what I liked about it, it was all these people that couldn't get on this, and now like Dana yeah. Wayne's going to get on. Fire from it, fire. Yeah. And so I appreciate as someone that was a late bloomer, mm-hmm. then you didn't always get. You know, you don't know. Yeah. And I think it's a great lesson. It's like if you, everybody wants to be on SNL, obviously, but like. You know, what's even better than that is creating your own creating thing. Your yes, own. yes. It is. And so. it was really groundbreaking, you know, to, to, to have a predominantly African American oh. troupe, really. I mean, pretty much yes. everybody was of was of, of, of either African American or Latino descent. You know, Jim Carrey really was kind of one of the only white people on yeah. the show at a, you know, that I can really remember. So how powerful was that and how yeah. groundbreaking in the early nineties yeah. to do that and to have it be at such a success. That it, it was. I mean, yes, you're absolutely right. Everything you, you said know, is snaps is, to that. I mean, that's incredible. <laughs> it is. And the, and the Wayans brothers are are really steeped in comedy. Like I watched an interview with Keenan Ivory Wayans, who comes off honestly as one of the nicest people in show mm-hmm. business. He's a looks like a genuinely nice guy, but he was saying how much they loved comedy in that house. They were yeah. poor. They had a huge family. Like they were all in the show. Yes, yeah, they were all brothers. They're a talented yeah. family. Yeah, and, and they're all good. It's they're not all like, good. It was like nep- <laughs> it was nepotism, but it was like they, they were all, all legitimately belong there. Yeah. And and they loved like Lucy and all this old school comedy. They are 
legitimate students of everything. And they, they soaked it all up and they brought it to that show. One guy that I think that really underrated on that show, and I think he was the Phil Hartman of the show, was David Allen Greer, who yeah. I don't think gets enough credit. Oh, he's yeah. terrific. On he that could show. play all those uh, sophisticated. Yeah. yeah, he was always a great foil. He was. He's the MVP, I think, of the show in a lot of ways. He's the one who held a lot of those scenes together. If you go back and yeah. watch it, watch David Allen Greer. It was work on it the was show. a well balanced cast. They had like the frenzy, like Jim Carrey and Tommy Davidson were like these frenzied physical, yeah. and then you had Damon Wayans, who was like you know just. He was absurd. Like it was this absurd show. And Marlon Wayans and yeah. Marla, yeah, and later yeah, on at Marlon Wayans and, yeah. and and they had Sean Wayans and they had Jamie Foxx at it. Sean was kind of like the cool one. Yeah, Sean yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah. It's just weird that they had all the different the demographics yeah. of one family. <laughs> it was amazing how they and they, they had a sister. Everything. Well, she was great too. Yeah, she was great too. Was yeah. It, yeah, yeah. Who was the other actress on? There was the a white show. woman. Uh, she was excellent too. I forget her name. She's actually kind of known. Um, I'll have to, we'll have to get, that's another thing we'll have to get back to Research you. Research was not our, uh, my, my strong point here on the Living Color cast. I, mean, I just but, know basically that, 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 like but that the hitters. But, uh, I, but I think, uh, yeah, it, it's worthy, I think it's worthy of spending time on because it's a, it's a, oh. it's what we all saw. I, I think every, I think the majority of people, unless you saw Earth Girls are easy or when spinning, uh, or the yeah. Duck Show. I think there was the a show. The Duck Show, was yeah. Oh, or Kim, Stand Up. Or stand uh, Kim Wayans was the sister. Yeah. Kim Wayans' the sister. Yeah, Who was yeah. the other woman on the show? Was it Takiya Kirstel? No, she was another. She yeah. Actress. She there was a there was a white actress. Several. Oh, the, the other uh, Kelly Park, Kelly Coyfield Park. Yes, that's who. who it yeah, is. she was yeah. good she too. Was she was excellent yeah. too. Um, I really love that show and that great opening credits too. A great opening credits sequence. Mm-hmm. Oh seasons. yeah, yeah, I love that. That nineties yeah. like that. <laughs> it's very nineties. Yeah, it's so nineties. The colors, the rap. Yeah. yeah, you could do what you want to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was almost like a. It was almost like an homage to the Cosby Show, kind of the intro. I always felt like. Yeah, they it, were, like there was like a vibe. It was unabashedly you black. You be, yeah. But, but it appealed to everybody. It's just this great. Yes. It's this great. Um, because they weren't shy about who they were and what they were no. trying to do, and I think that's what you have to be. You just don't you don't pander. You just be who you are. I think and, the thing I embrace about the show too now is that they were unabashedly a comedy. They weren't afraid to be a comedy show. Yeah, make people laugh. I mean, because a lot of those should, they they clearly went out of their way to make people laugh. Get the and in fact, at one point, they ran a counter-programming episode of In Living Color against the Super Bowl halftime show before the halftime show became a thing. Yeah. yeah. And the reason the halftime show became a thing is because In Living Color crushed it in the ratings because yeah. everyone turned to it. So that's when they brought Michael Jackson wow, in the next year awesome. for the Super Bowl. So again, another p- groundbreaking achievement. Yeah. Huge. Uh, so that's an influential show. Yes. I mean, and that was Fox when Fox was not what it is today. It was a burgeoning network at oh, the yeah, time. Oh, yeah. was, And it was pretty edgy. It was. People, it was, people kind of... They... they they associated it with the trash shows, like the Married with Children, the Simpsons. Yeah, you know, yeah the, but they were they, literally yeah. they're probably the most well Married with Children. Simpsons now one of the yeah. greatest shows. So, of but all Simpsons time, Living but Color though were sophisticated. They were comedy oh, absolutely. shows. Yeah, but Fox had a reputation at that period oh, of time did. of being almost like the redheaded stepchild network. And they yes. embraced it. They, it embraced, they embraced, embraced it. They embraced it. Exactly. Embraced exactly. It. Yes. So anything edgy that they could get on there that was different. Yes. Yeah. Which you helped know. a lot of people. And absolutely. I think, absolutely. And it, Shows like Married with Children, for example. You know, you watch it today. I think it's great. I think it's hilarious. I, mm-hmm. yeah. I used to love watching reruns and syndication. Oh, there's um, that. It cracked me up. Uh, Ed O'Neill and who played the wife? Uh, 
the redhead. What's her name? Katie uh, Seagal. Katie Seagal. She's great. I always loved the crazy neighbor, Marcy. Marcy. Jefferson. <laughs> There's a lot of tension, I guess, yeah, from the, with, it, that, I've heard with those they've two. they replaced the neighbor, too? Yeah. They did. I like the uh-huh. previous neighbor. The, <laughs> the first guy. The first guy. Yeah. He was more yuppie-ish, which was the joke, because they yes. lived next to these yuppie yes. neighbors, and then they became more of a layered That's a, thing. When we did a sketch show, Idiot, Idiot Box, we made fun of all the replacement Yes. Actors on shows. The, the two Darrens. That was that was that was one of my favorite. Anyways, we want to give back. a shout out to the Ed O'Neill's yeah. from the Youngstown area. Yeah, Scott and, yes. and he was he was a football star at Ursuline, which was a high school wow. up north. So that's why he's you know kind of a we have a soft spot for Ed O'Neill as a result. Of I that. always liked him. You know he. Uh, um, I mean, he was in a couple like kiddie movies in the '90s, like I think a Little Giant, yeah, Little Giant, yeah. He just was. I, I, and then I was, of course, Al Bundy. I mean, that character is so great. Which, which was pause on the fact that there yeah. was a movie made in which Ed O'Neill and Rick Moranis played brothers, which yeah. not in any way, shape, or form, you know, that really stretches suspension of disbelief. Yeah, that was in a uh, yeah Rick Rick Moranis mm-hmm. who's just making a comeback, which is yes. everybody's excited. Thank I mean, you. It's he's so exciting. Yeah. I mean, we we should do a yeah, Rick Moranis podcast. I agree. I, could I agree. Do. Um, oh, but and Ed O'Neill's retiring from Modern Family because that just ended wow. recently. Yeah, so this year. So they had good careers, the yeah. two of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You guys ready to give the top yes, five? Okay, Let's go into back to get back Jim to Jim Carrey. Carrey. I think okay. I, I say we should finish up with Tony this time because you always go first. I think. Okay. Do you want to finish? With, you want to go last? Save the best for last. There you go. That sounds good to me. <laughs> Although we'll we could steal your movies. By you always do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll start off first. Okay. Sean. I'm give an honorable mention. Oh. <laughs> an honorable mention before I go into my top five. Honorable mention, of course, being that I'm a Batman guy, I have Uh-oh. to acknowledge that he played the Riddler in Batman Forever, which is not a great film or even a good film um but the reason i love it is because there's an over-the-top quality to his performance as a riddler that i appreciate along with tommy lee jones playing two-face inappropriately over the top (laughs) and the reason i bring this up is because one of my favorite behind the scenes stories of any film is the tension between tommy lee jones and jim carrey on the set of batman forever joel schumacher even said he could never work with tommy lee jones again because Tommy Lee Jones hated Jim Carrey. According to Jim Carrey, he said that he went up to Tommy Lee Jones at a restaurant while they were filming the movie to say hi. And Tommy Lee Jones went up to him and goes, I hate you. I really, really cannot stand you. Because I cannot sanction your buffoonery. buffoonery. <laughs> Which is the greatest line wow. I've ever heard. Because it sounds like yeah. something Tommy Lee Jones would say to somebody, it, it doesn't it? It really makes me think of that, 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 that image or that video clip meme of his, na- his like mean face at the Oscars. Yes. <laughs> See him saying that. This is people speculate the reason there was tension between the two is because, and the reason that Tommy Lee Jones went over the top as Two Face, they suspect, is that he was trying to show Jim Carrey how easy it is to do what Jim Carrey does to kind of put him down, uh, like saying this over the top, so basically his, scene he was stealing. Mocking, yes, then. he was kind of quietly mocking Jim Carrey's performance. But he's not that great in that movie. Either, well, no, Tommy Lee Jones. No, he no, sabotaged his own performance. Yes, there, yes. Were, there were moments where Tommy, and I am a huge, by the way, oh, I'm a yeah, huge I'm Tommy a huge, Lee Jones fan. Yeah. I, I'm not even saying that. He's one of my favorite actors. There are scenes in that movie, if you watch Tommy Lee Jones, like, oh, he would have been fantastic in this movie, the quieter, darker scenes. But when he goes over the top, it's also it's seeing Drew Barrymore in there as like his mistress, the good mistress yeah. versus the bad mistress. 
But Jim Carrey's performance is actually appropriate for what the tone they were going for. And who better to play like an elastic '60s Batman villain than Jim, than Carrey. Jim Carrey? I'll just say this: give me that cast, and I can do something with that cast for sure. Oh, the <laughs> cast was perfect, except for Val Kilmer. Nicole Kidman, by the way, is excellent she in the movie. Good, I thought she was a great uh, Batman woman. Yes, yeah. she was. And what do you call those ingenue or whatever? She she, she was. She gives a. That, that script did not give Jim, Nicole Kidman anything no. to do. Uh-uh. She made the most yeah. of it, and it was a great performance. But Val Kilmer has zero chemistry with her. He's not acting, giving her anything to play off of. Yeah, he kind of phones it in in that. Actually, movie, two Kilmer. things yeah. about that movie I'd like to talk about. One, when I was a little girl, it always left an impression on me. When the scene where he like pretty much breaks into her house, you know, Batman's being sent to her mm-hmm. room, and now Nicole Kidman. <laughs> Well, she did. It was yes, breaking and entering, okay? It's creepy. It was creepy. Now, you have to understand, I really loved Michael Keaton as Batman. Me too. I always yeah. thought Michael Keaton was sexy. We already did a podcast on that. <laughs> so I'm coming off of the Michael Keaton, and now we get Val Kilmore. Yeah. And I loved Kim Basinger. I loved that character, Vicki Vale. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, we got another blonde. Let's see, you know, this new girl. Who is she? But I, I, now I thought Nicole Kidman was good, too, and... I was, what, nine, I think, maybe when that came out. And so I was kind of developing my own style in terms of, like, what I loved. And I loved how she looked kind of like Veronica Lake. Yes. She had that sleek 40s hair, the blonde and the yeah. red lips. And so I definitely, you know, subscribed to that. And I immediately liked her because I thought she was beautiful and uh, different mm-hmm. than what you see. Mm-hmm. Um, but the scene where she, like, he's in the Batman suit and she puts her hands on his pecs and, like, looks up at him. Do you remember that? Yeah. And I was like, I want to do that to a guy. <laughs> there's, there's actually a wonderful scene. You know you like exactly 10? what I'm talking yes, about. Yes, I, know exactly I was. What you're I was like, I want to look like her. Yeah. And I want a guy to sneak into my bedroom. He, you know, I could, he could, I could lose. He could lose the Batman suit, or he could keep it either way. But I just want to. Yeah. Touch it. You want that pose. Like you want that pose. Yes, there was like an innocence to that moment as mm-hmm. well as the sexuality of it. Yes. Because they, they, they know that they're making those movies for a kid audience. Yeah. Yes. So it wasn't like it was overly sexualized, but there was, I guess I got it, you know, even at that young age. But I remember thinking, I want to do that. I want to <laughs> touch a guy. Oh, I had the same reaction, <laughs> by the way, Tony. No, um, there's a wonderful scene in the movie, speaking of Nicole Kidman, and it's one of my favorite, one of the scenes I think shows what the potential this movie could have been. It's with Jim Carrey and Nicole Kidman. There's a there's a party scene with the Waynes that they're holding for some foundation. Oh, no, Jim is Carrey's character, when, Edward Nigma. Yes, he goes as Edward Nigma. Yeah, which, he's rich now. an enigma. Yeah, he is. He's is an cool. enigma. That's is actually a, great, a comic yeah, thing. I know, yeah. I know, an enigma. Yeah. Um, so he's holding this party, and he's introduced to Nicole Kidman's character, who's yes. called Dr. Chase Meridian. That's right, Chase Wasn't in the comics. They created it for the movie. Yeah. But he goes, Chase, what a wonderful pursuit you must be. And he kisses her. Then yes. they start dancing together. He says, shall we dance? And when I'm watching Nicole Kidman with Jim Carrey, I could see this is great watching them work together because Jim Carrey's doing his Jim Carrey thing dancing, and she's keeping up with him in a mm-hmm. really cool way. I'm like, that's how talented she is because yeah. she's feeding off of his yes. energy because Jim Carrey's giving her something to play off of the Bill yes. is not giving her exactly, to and that's that's what I I wish yes. we had. Like Nicole Kidman could have could have could have been Poison Ivy or Catwoman if she yes. wanted to be, yeah. But they gave her like this this, this one note, role. yeah, yeah. But again, made the most of it. Really Absolutely. got the tone of the movie, understood what Absolutely. she was supposed to play. Uh, I'm spending more time praising Nicole Goodman than Jim Carrey, Nicole, but yeah. yeah, no, no, no. But you're absolutely right. It's also a testament to how good of an actor and how generous of an actor Jim Carrey is. And that's one thing that I've always heard about him is that he's he does give people a lot to work with. Mm-hmm. He know I think he's aware enough of his presence, of the um, impact that he has on film and and 
so he does give people it's that give and that take it's not all him look at me 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 yes you know it's how can we make this scene something good together you know and we see that more when when we think about films like dumb and dumber you know these ensemble films that you know Mm -hmm. uh even the mask you know if we get into that yeah he's just so outlandish and crazy but you know the scenes where he's with cameron diaz there's an honesty there and Mm -hmm. he's and there's a real acting you know it's not just Yes, and, goofy crazy, and he has it in this movie too, where he, when he's playing Edward Nigma before he becomes the Riddler, and he's meeting Bruce Wayne yes. for the first time, and yes. Bruce Wayne turns him down. He has a really dark, psychotic uh-huh. scene where he goes, "You were supposed to understand." Uh-huh. He goes, "I'll make you understand," and you see the turn, yes. the shift there, and yes. that's great acting from yeah. Jim Carrey. That movie disappoints me because you have three legendary actors, Tommy Lee Jones, Jim Carrey, and Nicole Kidman, who are all cast beautifully in their roles, but they weren't giving as much. The potential was not reached with that, with the I cast think, they had. I know, actually like Phil Ke- Val Kilmer. I think he's a good actor. Yeah, he is a good, a very good actor. But he's just, he just did not want to be Batman. That's what <laughs> no. I mean. He wasn't cast well as Batman yeah. is what it, what it is. I mean, he looked good. He looked good at right. that point in his life, and that was pretty much yeah. the best thing about him as Batman. Um, you know, I when I think of Batman... This movie, I, I think, this one's forever, right? Batman yes, Forever? Batman Forever. Sorry, there was a series. I get them all confused because <laughs> they all came you. out it, so they're quickly. They're all weird, leak, um, you know. It makes me think of the Spider-Man 3 with Tobey Maguire, where it's a case of good actors, too many villains. Yeah. yeah. Too oh. much going on. Too much, you're throwing too much at the audience, and we don't know who to focus on. Yes, I agree wholeheartedly. Unless it's Aquaman, I don't want to be thrown at. <laughs> <laughs> it, just, it felt like a 90s movie where they just kind of threw it Unless together. Unless it's Henry Cavill. Unless <laughs> it's Henry Cavill. <laughs> it's a typical 90s movie where they throw everything at you at the ki- in the kitchen sink but there's not a script there to yes, really support they wanted it. To, they wanted to capitalize on the Batman franchise yeah. and Jim Carrey. They just wanted, you know, they wanted to capitalize on the moment. And well, they asked Michael Keaton, why did you turn it down? Because Tim Burton dropped out. Yeah, he only wanted to do yeah. two. And, and Michael Keaton goes, well, I read the script. It sucked. Yeah. <laughs> That's why exactly. he turned it down. Exactly. Um, the one performance, I think the best performance out of that movie, that and he's the consist, the constant in all those movies, is Michael Goff as Alfred, who has the best oh, performance was, in that uh, movie. Yes. He's the one bright spot. But, but more than just the performances, this movie in particular, this Batman movie forever, I don't know if it was because it came out in the summer of, what year was it, three? 95, 95. Yeah. Something about this particular Batman movie, it blew up. The franchising, it, the marketing. I remember at McDonald's, they had those Batman Forever cups. I mean, Batman yes, Forever was everywhere. It the was. The Riddler was everywhere. There yeah. was something unique about this one I that... Think it, that from a, it was from Jim a Carrey as the Riddler. Yes. It was Jim so Carrey as the Riddler. And you know what, the other thing, I think it's your number two point because you had two, is uh-huh. Kiss from a Rose. Yeah. The song. You knew that was going to be my number two point. I knew it I because you talked to, to me it. about yes. it yes. Uh, before. That song Not to steal incredible. your thunder, but that yes. was the song of the summer. Yep. And I'll tell you, I got back. I got back into that song recently, and I'm like, "That's a really great song." I mean, I never Seal, got out of it. Yeah. you never got out of it. <laughs> I got back into How it. How did that end up in a Batman soundtrack? I'm wondering too. You know like, what's what? crazy? They asked him to. D- the, the original version of that song is not as we know it. And Seal actually felt like he was selling out a little bit, and he doesn't. He, the the version we we hear today is is in his words overproduced. Oh, and because they wanted they wanted a Grand Slam soundtrack song. Yeah. Um, and and he it's it's interesting. He doesn't really like to talk about that song very much. And he there like people are always so curious about the meaning. What does it mean? Is it about some people think it's about cocaine or drugs and some yeah. people think and he never will ever really dissect it. It's really interesting. Mm, he has sort of like a disdain 
for this song, even though it brought him. He probably saw Batman Forever. That's probably yeah. why. Well, <laughs> well, the video is all Batman Forever this, clips. This, so. I know it is. Well, yeah. imagine this: if you're, if you're, and and I don't know if you've ever listened to Seal's other work. You know, it's funny we talk about Seal because my very first CD ever was Seal. This one with Kiss from a Rose. Yeah, oh, wow. It just had a white album. I don't remember what it might have just been called Seal. Um, that was my that year for my birthday. I wanted a CD player, and that was my first CD because I loved this song. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, look at it from an artistic perspective. You're an, you're this artist. You're trying to be something. You get asked to do a film movie. Now everybody knows you for that. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like you plateaued before you even really got a chance to. Mm-hmm. Give you what you feel might be your best work. Yes. Everybody's going to define you by that. Mm-hmm. And there are also times where an artist <laughs> could record an entire soundtrack of Batman's song that Jack Wilson <laughs> dances to and has nothing to do with your legacy whatsoever, oddly enough. Oh my know. God, Prince is Batman. <laughs> I know. And he went full bore into Batman with that song. I, I mean, know. that's. But there is, the video is all, I mean, I yeah. can see that. That the video, moment's in the, the video. Moment, though, the moment, though, where yeah. they yeah. stop the music and yeah. Nicole Kidman looks. Uh-huh. You know what yeah. moment that is in the video? Yes, and, yeah. Well, in the song, because. Yeah. That what is it? My pleasure, my something, my pain, and the piano goes ting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like that pause exactly. <laughs> the song's not even played in the movie until the end. And uh, the, credits. the credits, yeah. And you two had a minor hit too from that soundtrack. Hold me, kiss me. Kiss me. Yeah, that was during their like act tongue yeah. baby, post act tongue yeah. baby. Phase. And I think that song actually was in the film, like a quick snippet of it, yeah. the U two song. But you're right, "Kiss from a Rose" was only at the credits. Yes. But that's the song that defined that movie. Right. But that's how they do. I hate that about like, oh, there's a song from a movie that is played during the credits. It's mm-hmm. not a. It's not a important, you know. They used to, that was a big thing about it. they would try to get Oscar noms. They hire these big artists yeah. to write a song for the credits. I don't count that as the the movie. No, it's not like James Bond song where it's part of the whole aesthetic the of the opening credits, yeah. or it's played. It has an important meaning in the movie. It's just like they just threw it in. But I guess you know we're talking about Jim Carrey, <laughs> right? Right. I'm amazed. Like that's Batman Forever, though. It's a it's a conversation starter. Really, for yeah, sure. we get like to. Uh, and that was my Batman honorable Forever. mentions. I'm so, I apologize okay. for this, ladies and gentlemen. But, but yes, Batman Forever though came out at the right time. Yeah. The right actors, and they, they knew how to market it well. And that song. Yes. Is what it, it's not on my list, yeah. so we wouldn't have talked right. about it anyways. Oh. It is on your list? It's not on my list. Oh, okay. It's not so on my list. That's why I, that's yeah, why so I brought okay. it up, too. So good. I'm, mention, thank you. I knew it wouldn't be on mine. <laughs> my, my actual number five, now that I get to it, I apologize for this. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'll just mention it, is, is The Cable Guy. Oh, which yes. Which came a year after. Yes. It was a It was a darker, more sinister take on the Jim Carrey character. Yeah. It was kind of like his Edward Nygma character, in a way. Yeah. It was a more psychotic, obsessive. Yes. He had, what was his name? Um, uh, Chip was his... I think his name was Chip. It was based off of a TV character, right? It was based off of a character from My Two Dads. Yeah, not, not My Two Dads, My Three Sons. I'm sorry. I confused both <laughs> My Two Dads. Chip Douglas might have been his name. Yeah, Chip Douglas. Yeah, yeah. I knew it was like a goofy kind of He was also yeah. a Monkees producer, completely different guy. That's how I remember that name so well. But I thought it was like the first performance that Jim Carrey gave that kind of showed where he might be heading. You know, yeah. it's a darker, more serious territory, which he eventually yeah, did. which he explored, yeah. It was considered a flop at the time. It was considered a disappointment. Even the critics were divided on the film. They didn't really embrace it, but it's become a cult classic it over has. the years. Yeah. Uh, ben Stiller directed it. I think he did a great job with it. 
Uh, so I think it's one of the more underrated gems in Jim Carrey's cat in filmography. I think yeah. it's one of the, a movie that people should kind of go people back to. People definitely always quote it. And, you know, there is that iconic scene where he's singing, Don't you want somebody to... Oh, yeah. yeah. Remember? Jefferson that, Airplane. Yeah. yeah. That was actually... They played that on MTV. They the would video play, of Like a video of his karaoke version uh-huh. of Jefferson Airplane. Yeah. Oh, I love the opening. Doesn't he give, like, an opening story to that? It's like back in 1968, out yes. <laughs> That day, the <laughs> he's like that day. The uh, it was over like that day. The Hell's Angels had their way. Do they have mine? <laughs> That's brilliant. It's a, That's brilliant. It's just brilliant. Oh my god! But he oh. he's a uh, Matthew Broderick had his kind of comeback. Yes. Yeah, and he played before he did Election. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I don't think I've seen him. The last thing before that was a freshman. I saw him and that he was in anything prominent. I think he did yeah. a lot of like Broadway. Yeah, he did know? a lot of Broadway. And I know he married Sarah Jessica Parker around that time. I think and they had a baby, you know, so he, I think, kind of First back. time I saw Jack Black. Yes. Uh, yeah. And oh, yeah. He was the paranoid best friend. Paranoid of, uh, best friend. And Leslie Mann was in it as girlfriend. Judd Ap- isn't she married to Judd Yeah, she's Apatow? married. Yeah. Judd Apatow produced it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. He always so, puts her in. And Ben Stiller played the two Menendez brothers. That Which was, was probably my favorite part that? of the movie. Yeah. Yes. That. This yeah. is when Ben Stiller was still kind of on the, at the height of his game. Yes. Ben Stiller. Yeah. Right before he broke out. Yeah. Talk about underrated. Not underrated, yeah. but Ben Stiller is legitimately one of the funniest. Okay, he was so great in Heavyweights. Have you guys ever seen that? It was like a Disney movie with like fat no. kids that go to camp. <laughs> he plays this estranged like trainer, Tony Perkins, and he's like this high energy narcissistic. I'll send you a clip. I'm sure there are YouTube I'd clips. I'd love to see it. That I, that's like one of my favorite Ben Stiller. Oh, he. Yeah. I was watching. Okay, so Dodgeball was on before I came over here, and okay. I was watching that. And it's it's, it's it's okay, <laughs> but it's like he steals that movie. Oh, he is, he just gets that kind of stuff more than anybody. I, but you know, one of my favorite people though in Dodgeball is Jason Bateman as the announcer. Oh, Jason Bateman, yeah. What he what does he always keep saying? There's like something he always says. That is shocking. No, I don't <laughs> I remember. Don't yeah, he, anyway, he's funny. funny. He's playing like yeah. a like yeah. That, kind of that like is a massive team. cast. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's, give him props to Ben Stiller. Vince Vaughn yeah. is so funny in that. Yeah, Vince Vaughn. That, that's when he was doing the Bill Murray thing. Yeah. <laughs> good I stuff. like Vince Vaughn. So that's my number five. Would be awesome. the, cable yeah, the cable guy. So well, Sean, your number five is my number two. Oh. So yeah. Um, but wow, I think that high. Wow. I I really like the cable guy. Um, my uh, number five is another. Uh, it's probably the movie that started getting Jim Carrey like a reputation of being difficult. Like we were talking about how he's great to work with, but uh, was Man on the Moon, mm. where oh, he method acted yes. Andy Kaufman, yeah. and so it kind of irked a lot of feathers. Jerry Lawler being well, number Andy one. Well, Andy Kaufman is so beloved. I mean, he actually yeah. made a documentary yeah. about the I, making it's of this on Netflix. On Netflix, yes. yeah, and it's, it goes into it and. Uh, yeah. But the movie itself is is really really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it's it really allows him to do the dramatic stuff that he was getting into at the time. Yeah. But also be the comedic genius that he was as well because he was playing doing all those Andy Kaufman. And he, I mean, he played all those Andy Kaufman perfectly. Yeah. I mean, it was yeah, just a brilliant performance. Danny DeVito was great as uh, uh, his manager and. Uh, uh, Courtney Love did a great job in that movie as well. Yes. So uh, I really like that movie. It had a great, uh, based on that, one of my favorite R.E.M. songs. Yes. Which yeah, is based on the uh, It's my number four. Oh. Uh, so wow. uh, I, I love the movie, too. I think it's underappreciated. Uh, number one, there are scenes from my favorite television show, Taxi. 
mm-hmm. that are recreated in that with Reverend mm-hmm. Jim, played yeah, by Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, because he was on Taxi yet. Dana DeVito was a producer, and he, obviously he was on Taxi. Yeah. And it was directed by Milos Forman, who directed my favorite movie, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh, wow. So there's a lot of great DNA. And I'm a big Andy Kaufman fan because yeah. of that era, because of Taxi and well, SNL. Well, he was so great on Taxi. He I mean, was. he really was. Laka. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Jim Carrey recreates him so beautifully in that movie like he really does channel Andy Kaufman and becomes and then and it ties yeah. him to the WWF with Jerry the King Lawler and Letterman so the, yes. and, and Saturday Night Live so there's a lot of things I love that are incorporated into that film mm-hmm. and it's amazing to see Andy Kaufman being the string that kind of ties all that stuff together Jerry Lawler was great in playing himself in the movie and recreating yeah. the scenes he played with Andy Kaufman in actual life, life. Yeah. yeah and I know there was tension between Jerry Lawler and Jim Carrey because Jim Carrey was really trying to test him in, in a way that Kaufman apparently never did well, Jerry Lawler and Kaufman were friends. They were. Yeah. And so... Well, you think about it, that's got to be hard, too. You have a, a beloved friend of yours who's no longer with us. Yeah. You're yeah. making a movie about him, and you've got this actor who, whether you want to admit it or not, is doing a really good job. There's probably the amount of... Can you imagine the emotions that one feels? That would be like if I died, God forbid, yeah. and somebody comes in to do the podcast, and they're trying to act just like me. They even look like me. But you look at them, and you think, you're not Tony. Yes. That's hard. Like, that. Yeah. that's that's really... a a hard pill to swallow. The one thing I love about the movie is it revealed how much Jerry Lawler was involved with those bits with Kaufman because before they didn't reveal it because wrestling, they don't reveal that stuff. Yeah. And I'm glad it was because it shows that Lawler was as creatively ambitious with that as Kaufman. I think I'm mm-hmm. glad that that movie gave him Lawler credit for that creatively. Yeah. Um, and there, speaking of R.E.M., R.E.M. wrote one of their best songs for that movie, The Great Beyond. Now, you think that you already wrote a song, Man on the Moon. <laughs> yeah. That's Which enough. I just said it was one of my favorite. Yeah. It's a brilliant yeah. It's a brilliant song. But man. to write a song, another song on the same, yeah. in a more abstract way, but it turns out to be one of my favorite R.E.M. songs regardless. And it's one of my, I love R.E.M. I'm a big fan of the band in general. So, like I said, that, that movie that involves movie so many lot, things yes. that I love. Yeah. So it's hard for me to ignore all of that. And I think his performance is fantastic. He should have been nominated for an Oscar, yeah. and he wasn't. He, he, that is it, yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah. Man on the Moon. Man <laughs> on the Moon. Okay, well, my number five pick. Um, well, first, I want ha- I have an honorable mention. Oh, you have an honorable I, I, I doubt it's on either of your lists, but I think it's a movie worth noting, because I feel like it's one forgotten about. Okay. Because it's really abstract and a little bit different. Certainly at the time, very different from anything other anything else Jim Carrey was doing, was uh, the number 23. Have you guys seen that? No, oh, I have not. No. I have not seen it. Okay. It's a really dark psychological thriller where um, the, the numbers, two and three, 23, he becomes obsessed. Um, his wife passes away, um, and the number 23 kind of dictates his whole life. And the reason why this movie really resonated with me is I've always felt that way about the number four for so many things. I mean, I'm technically the fourth child. My parents had a miscarriage in between. I was born on December 4th. I weighed exactly four pounds. I was born at 4 p.m. My ring size and my shoe size are both four. Just, you know, four is like this number mm-hmm. for me. And so when when that movie came out and it was kind of about that, I definitely was like, ooh, I can relate. Yeah. But it's a really interesting psychological thriller. I do, it's been a while since I've seen it, so I don't remember all of the ins and outs. But Jim Carrey basically gets progressively obsessive and... Um, 
I don't know. It, it's got like sci-fi elements to it, that dreamlike quality, which I've always been drawn to. You're not. There are moments in this movie. Is this where you're not sure? Is he dreaming? Is this real? Like, is mm-hmm. this a memory of the past? You know. But it's a mystery. So you're putting all the pieces together, and he gets really obsessive about this number twenty-three and that that whole thought process. He even adds numbers together, and it makes twenty-three. You know, just all kinds of where he starts pat- putting together the patterns of what made up his life, even to things like what he eats. Well, why did I buy this cereal? It was on aisle seven, and it was th- on the third shelf. And, you know, like, he really dissects his whole life. And it's really cool. You just mm-hmm. got to see it. It's, it's an interesting I'm dark. now. Yeah, yeah it's interesting dark. Um, it's obsessive. has a, you know, that obsessive nature to it. <laughs> Um, he goes a little crazy. Mm-hmm. It's you know, it, but but really, it's it's Jim Carrey being very dramatic. I mean, there are fu- humorous parts to it because Jim Carrey is just a humorous guy. Yeah, but yeah. it really is a heavier, yeah. dark movie. Really different, I think, than anything he did. Um, so that's my honorable mention. I think it was just worth noting because it's a great movie. No, I'm glad you mentioned that. Actually, mm-hmm. that's you guys should really check it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, my number five. This one is probably not on either of your lists. <laughs> it's um, Fun with Dick and Jane. No, that's oh. not on my list. Uh, it that's is another on one list? I haven't seen. I know of it. Oh, but I never it's so good. Yeah. Okay, you it's know. It's a T.O. Leone, isn't yes, it? Yes, okay. it came out in like 2005, so it's mm-hmm. crazy to think 15 years old now. Wow. But um, Jim Carrey is just so charming in it, and him and Taylor Leone play these like wealthy. Um, you know, this wealthy family, they've got the two kids, the, the, the beautiful home, the designer dogs, the fancy cars, you know. And Jim Carrey works for Enron. Well, we all know what happened with Enron. Yeah. So Enron crashed, and they lose everything. You know, everything gets taken away, their materials, their house. And so Tay Leone and him end up resorting to being, like, bank the- or bank robbers. Yeah. But it's, it's Dick and Jane is based off of, um, uh, it's an old uh, story mm-hmm. or characters uh, was it a cartoon or what was it? Um, yeah, I know it was like maybe an older movie too. I don't know. Well, it came out in 2005. Alec Baldwin's in it and he's fun in it. It's based, uh, what is it? Um, oh, it's a remake of the 1977 film. Okay, I knew that it was like a mm-hmm. remake or, or it was t- the characters were taken from another um, entity. But it's really just fun. The chemistry between him and Tay Leone together just works they match each other's energy um and the story is really touching too i mean you know how they go from this really shallow wealthy family to scraping it together they you know in the beginning they weren't really that like they had the picture perfect life but they weren't really happy and so this whole experience is taking out taking out the felonies you know Mm-hmm. It brings the family back together, and it kind of saves their marriage and brings them closer together, and they get to know each other again because they they had let commercialism and money just consume them, that they were just shells of, you know, who they used to be. So this whole experience kind of humbles them because there are some moments where they're really in, like, dire straits. And I, I forget what happens. I think they give the kids to the grandparents at one point because it is – a lot of the movie is just him and her. Mm-hmm. Um you know, sleeping in the car and just like down and out, but but it's humorous. They make mm-hmm. it fun, and she really plays well off of him, and it's it's touching. And I remember seeing it, and there were moments, and I'm like, oh, I hope my marriage is like that. <laughs> not that I want to rob banks, but like there are really sweet moments within the movie where they kind of fall back in love and they, you know, reminisce about their lives mm-hmm. and they just do cute things together as they're trying to navigate survival. 
mm-hmm. really. They had everything taken away from them. So they're just trying to get their lives back together. Yeah. And it's just fun and, yeah. and different. And I, I kind of like that number 23. I feel like it's something, one of the forgotten about Jim Carrey movies, but a I hidden gem. So yeah, yes. a hidden gem. <laughs> Dick and Jane. I have to check that out. It's you one should. of those that kind of fell through the cracks. Yeah. I do like Tia Leone, and uh, I do like her a lot. She's like, great in yeah, this, yeah. and they're good together. They have mm-hmm. a really good. They really bounce well off of each other. Mm-hmm. They do. Well, that's excellent. That's an excellent choice because it's not yeah. something I would even have thought of. Mm-hmm. Um, we already went over my number four, which is Man on the Moon, which we just discussed. So we'll go to Scott's number four. Yeah, my number four is. Uh, so this is a, I would say this is a very recent edition. <laughs> yeah. So uh, a few weeks ago, Sean and I just said, let's go see a Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Oh. And uh, um, yeah, it's a Sonic the Hedgehog movie, but I think this this movie is probably, I don't know if I, five years from now it'll be on the list or whatever, but it was so refreshing to see Jim Carrey went back to the Ace Ventura, Dumb and Dumber, Mask, I mean, this is original Jim Carrey. Um, Vintage Fire Jim Marsh- Carrey. Fire yeah. Marshal Bill just went back to that. And now he, I think he's even a master of that. I mean, He plays the bad guy? He plays the bad guy, Dr. Robotnik. Oh, yeah, Dr. Robotnik. And he just, and he doesn't, it's, it's not a male. Jim Carrey never mails anything in. No. But he fully embraces this. Is a fully realized character, but so zany and absurd. Funny. Um, you know, obviously the physical comedy is there. He does a tribute to Dick Van Dyke with the, you know, that having his head knocked off thing that Aww. Dick Van Dyke used to do. Um, zany and hilarious, and it was just like it just resonated with me. It was just like, oh, is this this is just what the doctor ordered. You know, you're in the middle of February, it's cold <laughs> out, and then it's like Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey doing, you know, this nostalgic version. But in a you know in a fully mastered way, like he, I think he's fully mastered you know all these sides to him because he's he is a more experienced actor yeah. than he was then, and um, it was just great to see. It was a fun movie. You don't expect much out of Sonic the Hedgehog movie, but it's just fun and uh, um, you know they stayed true to the, the video game. And well, you know, and the other thing too is Jim Carrey. They know their audience for this mm-hmm. movie is going to be kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not surprised that he went back to the you know the 1994 version because movies like Ace Ventura, The Mask, they were marketed towards kids. Yeah, yeah. And there's a great line where someone that gives him a latte is like, <laughs> "What does he go? I love the way you make it." <laughs> he goes, "Why wouldn't I want it? I love the way you make it." And he looks right at the screen. <laughs> you think he's gonna yell at them? <laughs> Scott is absolutely right. It, it's not on my list, but I absolutely love Jim Carrey's performance in it. He was born to play kind of a vague video game character, <laughs> especially a villain. And I think it reinvigorated him creatively because mm-hmm. I've never seen Jim Carrey. Like, if you watch Jim Carrey in interviews two years ago versus the way he promoted this movie, mm-hmm. who would have expected that a video game adaptation would be the thing that would reinvigorate an actor creatively? And it did with Jim Carrey. I, I think he had so much fun with that character. Yeah. I love playing that character so much. And he gave a lot. He was giving tributes to Dick Van Dyke and the performance, yeah. which, he, which he's mentioned in interviews. It was amazing to watch mm-hmm. Jim Carrey go back to that pool again of just doing pure physical, broad comedy. And he did it in such a brilliant way. I highly recommend it just for the performance alone to check out Sonic the Hedgehog. Just and I'm ready Jim for the Carrey. sequel. I am ready for the sequel. <laughs> oh, I, I can't wait. There's probably going to be more of just Tim and Sonic. And I think Jim Carrey's an actor who can 
play an, a cartoon character in real life in a way that no other actor can pull off. Yeah. Sure. Maybe Robin Williams is maybe the closest we have to another actor. Well, he did actor. the genie, yeah. Yes. Um, but Jim Carrey can play an animated, like, over-the-top creation in live action in a way that no other actor can do. And, it, and he, he makes sense with Sonic. He, but you could yeah. buy Sonic and Jim Carrey together in the same movie being, you know, chasing each other. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. It's vis- even visually, it makes sense. Yeah, and it's just... You know, now, I mean, in the past, it's like, oh, they're trying to, it's a cash grab. It's like Super Mario Brothers was a cash grab. There's a great documentary about the making of Super Mario Brothers movie that I love, where where how it went from a script that people loved that that got people on it, like Bob Hoskins and and, uh, other people that they wanted for, and then it became this terrible, terrible thing. But Sonic is this, now it's just like, oh, it's just like, you know, this is a bizarre. It doesn't make any sense. You can't. How can you make a movie about that? But people just embrace that, and then it becomes this this fun. Yeah, because I think of Sonic, and I just imagine just circles of rings and rings and rings. Yeah, and they bring that into it. They bring yeah. the rings into it, and them running, and and everything about the video game that you loved, and and. Uh, it feels like a mid '90s movie. Doctor yeah. Robotnik was always like carting around in like those little like spaceship things. Yes, yes. And he's yeah. in those. Yeah. yeah. And he had a long mustache. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. It's wonderful to watch and it feels like a mid-90s Jim Carrey movie, honestly. It does feel like it's of a piece with Ace Ventura, The Mask, and Dumb and Dumber, in a way. Yeah. It does feel like it's from that era. It's just a throwback, almost. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a 90s throwback in a number of ways. It's a 90s video game. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, so that's that's my take on it. My only, my only thing is they didn't play the Sonic music throughout yeah. the movie, which is yeah. the soundtrack to Sonic is the great. The video game. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. I, I don't like it when they don't. They do play a piano version of it later on, but... That's I a great always think every time I, I always think of him whenever you were going to play Sonic as a kid because it was on Sega. 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 They do that. And then you hear the ching, the rings kind of chinging. They do the Sega do at the movie. I think oh, they, that's cool. Yeah. Sega. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, Tony, we're going. Oh, God. Okay. So, what number is this? Four. Okay. My You're num- number four. <laughs> my number four movie is ro- Liar, ro- Liar, Liar. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I couldn't say that. Um,. I don't know why. I just love that movie. It's just really charming. And mm-hmm. I remember when it came out, you know, watching it. Because at this point, I think it came out in 97, late 90s. So, you know, he had, Jim Carrey kind of had his heyday. And by that point, I was just a long, a life, I was a fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anything that had Jim Carrey in it, I was wanted you to see. You rushed out to see. Yes. Yeah. And I remember watching this movie with my dad where he plays the, the he um, is the divorcee. With the little boy, and he's a lawyer, and he's mm-hmm. trying to navigate his new life. And this movie was just, the whole concept was just so fun. Because when you think about the politics of just being a working adult, we were talking about this earlier, just the workplace and how you have to navigate it. Probably 60% of it is lies. Yeah. Right? You're telling people, oh, you look great today. Yeah. You really don't think so. You're just trying to keep <laughs> right. the status quo. Exactly. You know? And, and, and so to have a, to have a movie make, make light of that... Um, in a real honest way, and then the way that they, that they did that, they enabled Jim Carrey to really shine with his impersonations and his goofy faces and the slapstick comedy. Like, how about that one scene where he's in court and he's trying, you know, because he can't lie, so he's trying so hard to fight it. And just yeah. Him kind of at war with himself. Is exactly. It's like, like Jim Carrey at his best. Like, and then the scene when he's in the bathroom and he's... You know, flailing yes, around. I yeah, mean, it's just, yeah. it's like him being, you know, this idiot. Like, it's just funny, yeah. though. And um, I always think about 
when you know the next morning when he wakes up with that lady so how was that last night he's like oh, i've had better <laughs> <laughs> and you know, he can immediately like, see the look on yes it. yes and then with the royal pen that scene is so great with the pen when he's trying to see if he can lie the pen is yeah he's, he's trying to, to he's trying to lie royal blue. Yeah. yeah i mean it's, it's just an absurd movie but again behind all of the comedy there is a sweet storyline of a father trying to prioritize, make time, and connect with his son because he was always constantly letting his son down and lying to his son, which, is what, a big which is what made th- the son wish the dad could never lie. There were so right. many movies in the 90s with that Divorced plot. Parents, Jingle yes. All the Way. Yes. Uh, True Lies. Uh-huh. Um, even even uh, Tim Allen, Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Santa Claus was Santa about Claus that. Santa Claus was yeah. kind of about the same. Th- it was about was this, like, dis- ignoring your kids. Kid. Yeah. Ignoring your kids mm-hmm. for, like, your career. Was right. like, yeah. this huge... And divorces, too. And, and divorces. divorces. <laughs> Those are the and it was always big. like the dad never got the kids. Yeah. yeah. You know, it was... So again, yeah. So but there he was, was he was ignoring his kids. He was like he, in the beginning. Purpose. He w- he was ignoring the kid, but then you know once he went through the day of not being able to lie, you know he really realized. Like, and that's what I remember. There was a scene. It was kind of sad because he said to the, he's talking to the little boy, and he's like, "No, I want to come to your party." <coughs> and then he stops, and he's like, "I really want to go to that party," because he realized that he can't lie. Yeah. And that's when he starts to, I think, get um, perspective on. And how he's living his life, and then and he gets a better sense of clarity as to what really matters. Yeah. And so that whole experience really changes him, and I love that too. I love that character transformation. On top of just the crazy comedy, yeah. It's it's one of those sweet stories, and you know I'm a child of divorce, so I understand what that's like. And there's always you know I can resonate to that experience, the struggle for the parent, you know, and the disappointment for the kid. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, that, that was definitely a theme in the 90s mm-hmm. was divorce, especially in family yeah. comedies. There was yes. a lot of that going on. I think an underrated performance in that that I've always noted as great was Carrie Elwes as the new boyfriend. Yes, the, oh. the call. Yes. <laughs> yes. He matches Jim Carrey. I mean, he plays that beautifully. Yes. I, Carrie Elwes, I think, is one of the most underrated actors in Hollywood. He's done great work in a lot of films, but that's one where I think he really that role, matches Jim Carrey's energy. That role in those kind of movies is the most underrated because in Jingle All the Way, Phil Hartman it steals that movie. Just as- like Judd, um, whatchamacallit, in Santa Claus. Oh, Judge Judge Reinhold. Judge Reinhold, yes. yeah. That yeah. is like, I want Plays that like role. I want to play a stepdad <laughs> in the divorce comedy. <laughs> if there's an underrated uh, trope in Hollywood, it's it's the stepfather role. That's always a scene stealer. It's <laughs> hard to steal scenes from Jim Carrey. What's but her name is great in this movie, too. Uh, the blonde girl. There's radio with actress, With the soft right? voice. What's her name? Lily something? Oh, I think you Meg know, Tilly was it? Meg Tilly, that's it. Meg it. Tilly? She plays yeah. one of his clients, and yeah. he can't lie. And, and they actually, that was funny. That they, they played off each other really I think it, the trope, though, they always made that person an asshole. The, Usually, the, the real father was Carrie always an asshole in life. No, he was a nice guy. In oh, he was a nice oh, guy. Oh no, yeah. you're talking about the stepdad. They always made yeah. the stepdad an asshole. Yeah. No, he, and Carrie Ellis wasn't. He I was just he was. trying too hard to win the boy's affection. Yeah. He was trying to be like Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey with the whole call. Yeah. And then I remember the the ex wife was like, Yeah. That's kind uh, of their thing, you know. Don't. Yeah. Um, and same thing with Judge Reinhold. He was trying to like. Well, he was a psychologist, psychiatrist, or whatever. So he was always thinking that he was better than. And Phil than Hartman Tim was Allen. just trying to approach yeah. on his wife. Yeah, and yeah exactly. <laughs> we yeah. want to break down Jingle so all the way. So they had they yeah. different personalities, but it was that same canned role. Yeah. Of of the stepfather trying to yes. win the affection of the child in absence of the real father. Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. Piers Brosnan was Piers Brosnan. Yeah. Even though they're good guys. Yeah, yeah. Piers Brosnan. Yeah. You feel bad for him and Mrs. Yeah, because he was a really good guy. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my number four, liar, liar, and I'm not lying. No, that's that's a good choice. <laughs> uh, 
My number three is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. That's my number three, too. Oh, wow. It's yes. amazing that they tied. Uh, it's a, a very idiosyncratic, strange drama. Mm-hmm. It's It was written by Charlie Kaufman, who wrote Being John Malkovich and Adaptation, which I love those movies, too, so I love that style. Uh, it wasn't directed by Spike Jones. It was directed by Mikhail Gondry. He, he was the director of Eternal Sunshine, but... It's a very introverted character, a very mm-hmm. strange character for Jim Carrey to play. It's probably one of his best dramatic roles. Yeah. And he has great chemistry, and it's matched by Kate Winslet oh, and she's in phenomenal. the movie. I love yeah. her. Yes. It's a very surreal, strange movie about developing your own reality and rewriting your own reality through well, that. Well, and I think it's also a very good narrative um, of, of the of the heartbreak and hardship of maintaining relationships. It is. And the impact that people have on your heart. And in your mind, in your thoughts, and, and, you know, when relationships end, how difficult it is to forgive and forget. You know, that's an easy thing to say, but do we really ever forget? You know, Matt and I were actually having a conversation about this earlier in the week. I, I think it's easier to forgive someone than it is to ever forget mm-hmm. because, you know, no matter what happened, good or bad, it's really hard to forget conversations that hurt you. It's hard to forget people that hurt you, circumstances that hurt you, that broke your heart. You can forgive that person in time. That na- that happens naturally. Mm-hmm. But to forget about it, and that's really what this movie, a big theme of this movie is the memory. Yes. Is what's so painful. Um, and I, there's, a, there's, so much, there's so much beauty and tragedy in that. There is. Because you know? he, he always says he wanted to erase her. You know? Yes, because like it's, it's like just so painful to know that yes. that person existed and was in your life. Yes. Now you no longer have that relationship, so it's easier just to erase it from your memory mm-hmm. than to not. But it finds but out it's tragic consequences to as doing a that. Exactly. Well, it's well, and that's just it. You know, that people, death is a, is is a terrible tragedy and one of the most painful things. The loss of someone that you love on this earth. But I also believe that it's just as hard and maybe in some cases harder to lose somebody that's still alive. Yeah. That's a really, that grieving process is a lot different than someone who's passed away. Right. Especially when you were in love with them. Love, loving somebody like I love you like my brother, Sean, is a lot different than I'm in love with you. Yes. So if I'm in love with you and then I, that relationship ends, you're no longer in love with me. You pursue somebody else mm-hmm. and you're still walking on this earth. You might still live in the same town as me. That is a really hard battle. That's a hard... It is. And I think a lot of that has to do with when someone passes away, they're gone from everywhere. They're gone from everywhere. You don't see them at the grocery store. Except your memories and except maybe whatever spiritual connection you might have. But uh, when they're still alive and you don't have access to them like you used to, you know they're still out there but developing other relationships, it... You can internalize that as an indictment of yourself, yes. and that's why that becomes painful. It's for painful, people. and you know, and most times when when people leave the earth, it's I, I'm I'm not dying because I don't want to be with you anymore. Yeah, I'm dying because I'm dying. But when you break up, it's I don't want to be with you anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm yes. going to be with him now. Yes, that's that's really hard. It's hard know? to cope and, and mentally process. It, it's it, really hard to cope. Process. It's very very, and it's hard to for, to forget. And this movie does a brilliant job of, of cap- encapsulating something that's kind of abstract, like we're talking yes. about, into a, a and film also something form. that's relative and subjective to, to each person. Everybody handles things differently, but I do, I do know that pain of you know, even if you know that person's not right for you because mm-hmm. maybe they're abusive or maybe they're just it's not working out. It doesn't mean that it's any less painful. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this movie does a great job of, of really illustrating the heartbreak of. Yeah. Of human relationships, romantic human mm-hmm. relationships. 
it's very high on a lot of people's list too. It's become considered mm-hmm. one of the best films of the new millennium period. Yeah. Like it makes a lot of top ten lists for the greatest movies of, since two thousand, uh, yeah. and for good reason. I think it's a very influential, mm-hmm. important film from that era. It's very intellectual too. Yes. Um, so that would be our number three, yes. the Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. So we'll go to Scott. So I, my number three is The Truman Show. That's my number oh. two. That's your number That's two? That's my number two, too. Okay, so yeah. We probably all have the same number yeah, one. Yeah, I think we do. All righty then. Well, uh, yeah. Oh, maybe not. Yeah, uh. Um, yeah uh, this was, I think, the first dramatic role that he did or maybe not the first dramatic role but it was the the one that was like oh Caught Jim Carrey's people's attention. yes yeah. and just a great movie um and it's not dramatic like he was like overly it's just like he's not he wasn't he he was definitely reined it in but this it was movie definitely is very touching yes yes it's a i mean basically he's a man that lives He's a reality star. This is like yeah, this, he is, know this it. is talking yeah. about the reality stars that we have. Yes. But he was legitimately did not know he was being filmed every yeah. night. And everybody that was his friend, everybody that was there was, was an actor. It yeah. was all staged. And so um when, and when he realizes that Oh it's, yeah, oh, it's, it's it's can you imagine? I mean And just just watching him trying to leave and all this the blocks they put in. Like, but the, not to be so the specific. Storm and all yeah, that. they put the storm in. But how powerful is it the scene when he is walking up the clouded staircase? Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean to the stage door. How powerful is that? Yeah, well, I mean I cry. Like I, I feel so. I feel every sense of emotion for him: sadness, excitement, pain, happiness, because he's getting out. You know, there's just. I mean, can you imagine that sense of loneliness mm-hmm. when you realize everybody around you is hired? Yes. <laughs> yeah. There, there are two things this movie does brilliantly. I think number one, it it's so prescient. In a way that Network was in 1976, where it predicted a lot of things. Actually, it was meant as satire, but Absolutely. it predicted a lot of things that came like subsequently. Reality TV. Reality TV came right after, a few years after the Truman Show. It came out in '98. Reality TV didn't really come into play until like 2000, maybe. Yeah. And also, social media and how yes. everything that we do is, is now posted public. for everybody. Now, there's no privacy anymore. Yeah. It's, it's it's evaporated. But it also talks about because of the Ed Harris character, the nature of God, <laughs> because Jim Carrey is living this particular existence, but he becomes self-aware that there's something beyond what he's actually seeing. Mm-hmm. So there's a philosophical element. Yes. And when he's confronting Ed Harris, that's his God. Ed yes. Harris is the God yeah, for the director Jim Carrey. Is his God, yeah. he's, he's dictating his reality and making choices for him that he has to react to. And when Jim Carrey becomes aware of it, that is almost like man becoming aware yeah. of... That's a, a really good... Um, yeah. Parallel, yeah. It is. It's a brilliant movie, kind of underrated. So I agree. I, I, yeah. I, I, it, it got praise when it came out, and Jim Carrey got universal praise, too. But I don't think people rank this as highly as it should be mm-hmm. as a movie in the 90s and anywhere. I think it's a movie I'd love to cover at some point. It's a full-fledged podcast mm-hmm. episode because there's so much to discuss with that movie, like Internal Sunshine. Yeah, yeah. But I also think it's one of Jim Carrey's best performances. He's still funny in it. Absolutely. He's and charming. St- yes. Uh, but they play off of that so well. And Laura Linney's excellent, too, as mm-hmm. his fake wife. You know, yeah. And yeah. she has a lot of great scenes with him. And, and Ed Harris is terrific. And, and I like—I don't know the actress, but the girl who plays the woman that he ended up, you know, the object of his eye, ultimately. There, mm-hmm. She was redhead, I think, or long blonde. Or what oh, was yeah, she? she was removed from the yes, show. Yes, because she tried to tell him that it was yeah. fake. Yeah. He didn't get it, you know. She No, and, and, they, and they didn't predict that he would be... He's a romantic. That's the yes. thing I love about the, yes, Truman. Yes, they didn't think that yeah. he... Yeah. And True he, man, by the way. Exactly, uh, another kind of like enigma. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> 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 beat you over the head with the... Uh, 
the symbolism. Yeah, no, there is a lot of spirituality uh, in this film, like you said, and, and philosophical elements to it. And there's the fantasy, there's the the drama, the the romance, the comedy. It really, this movie is a marriage of a lot of really great qualities. Yes. Well, uh, Ed Harris's character is Christoph, Christ. Off. Ah, so there's a lot. Another. Okay. They're not very subtle, admittedly, but it's still. I, did, I forgot that that yeah. was his name. Uh, I love Ed Harris in the movie. I think he's. I he's like Ed Harris too. Yeah, he's fantastic in it. Um, very. Like, he's, he's, clinical. Yes. Ed Harris is great in every. He's I mean, a great I, actor. I, I yeah. like him in everything. I was just gonna say he's that he he's a good actor. He, there's a quality about him that's very genuine and. Like he's kind of like the neighbor next door. Like he, as a woman, you instantly feel safe around him. You trust him. Mm-hmm. There, there is a he does play a lot of roles uh, since that movie. Uh, there's a movie called Snowpiercer where he plays a very similar, like godlike, really like role to. It's about a train, <laughs> and it's like the world is there's like apocalypse came. The world is frozen, so everybody that's alive is on a train. But it's the back end of the train is all the poor people, and as you get front, it's the the rich people in the front, and he runs the engine of the train, mm. and he's like the. Uh, He's like the god. He runs the engine. So it was very similar. I was like, oh, this is like back to the Truman Show. Uh, but he's a great actor. I like the name Kristoff. It just seems very yeah. – he wears a turtleneck. With the butler on the beret. It's very pretentious. It's very art- artsy, like that beat right, yeah. kind of. Yeah. It is. Uh, the movie was directed by Peter Weir, who I think is a terrific filmmaker. He has a reputation for taking actors known for a particular medium – and allowing them to stretch beyond that. He directed Harrison Ford in the movie Witness, which is where Harrison Ford goes undercover as an Amish person to solve a murder oh. in the Amish community. It was came out in the 80s. Great movie. He also directed I've the, heard of that Witness. Yeah, mm-hmm. Harrison Ford. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's excellent I actually in it. have seen that. It's been a long time, but I've seen it. It's yeah, an excellent movie. I had to movie. stop and think for a minute, yeah. Um, and then there's uh, uh, Dead Poet Society, which... Yes. B- so good. Brought Robin Williams full fledged in the drama, similar to Jim Carrey in this. So he was. Well, Ed Harris is also great in the 1994 classic Milk Money. Melanie <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I love that movie. I love when he fast eats with the food. I, that's oh, the yeah. great scene that always sticks out in my mind. I remember well, the trailers for that what, movie were all over the place. Money. So in the good. 90s. It, yeah. That movie was on uh, Netflix for a hot minute. One thing I really love about the Truman Show, same can be said for Eternal, is just the cinematography and yes. the visual effects mm-hmm. are just stunning. Yeah. That city you know, is beautiful this, to look at. It's just beautiful. Um, and there's a there's a romantic quality about that, um, and and I've always I love that 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 dream within a dream. Yes, I think there's a great score in the Truman Show. There's mm-hmm. a, the scene where he starts discovering that it's yes. fake. Da, yes. da, da, that's a and great that's a great sequence. And the scene when he's when he's on the ocean, quote unquote. Yeah, I love I, that's a, that's. A, it's a really powerful. It now, you know, yeah, it's so a, powerful. Like. Yeah. Like I, I cry tears of of joy and just excitement, you know, when he reaches the staircase. There's also a sadness because you see that he realizes, wow, what like, what was my life? Yeah, who am I? Mm-hmm. There's that loneliness of who am I and what's next, but there's also an excitement about that too. It's it's an excellent movie. I think I, that's that's really a movie. I, I can't even wait to to revisit to it back. in a way. Yeah, it, that was on Netflix for a while. I don't know if it still is. Yeah, it I'd was. love to see it again. Recently, Truman Show was. Well, that was my okay. number three. What's your number three? Did you really? Oh, that was. Uh, oh, my number three was Eternal. My number two was Truman. I yeah, thought we were so on number two. My number two is Truman. Okay. My number two is Cable Guy. So we're at number oh, one. Right, right. right. Uh, who wants to go I'll first? Start, I'll okay. start with my number one. My number one is. It, it's a movie. Whenever it's on, I end up watching it. It makes me laugh every time. I'm a big fan of the, the filmmakers during this period of their careers. 
it's Dumb and Dumber. It's a fairly oh, bright. It's my okay. number one, too. So. Mine's Ace Ventura! Yeah, that's good. We have something different to discuss. I'm happy that you picked Ace Ventura because yeah, we need to talk yeah. about that movie for sure. Uh, I'm sad I, that that wasn't even on any of your top five. No. I'm going to say with Dumb and Dumber is one of the funniest movies of the, of the 90s for me. I, I think this movie is hysterical. Top, yeah. top to bottom. The Truman <laughs> Show and Eternal Sunshine, I might be quote-unquote better movies, but few films bring me as much joy, pure joy. Then to that's watch all that matters. Dumb and, yes. Dumb and Dumber. Uh, I think it's Jim Carrey's funniest performance. I love his performance in this movie, but it is matched by Jeff Daniels, Jeff Daniels who is yes. every bit as good and every bit as funny as Jim Carrey in the movie. Uh, it, 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 and I love how they give Jeff Daniels scenes as opposed to just being a straight man to Jim Carrey, which is what a less creative filmmaker would do. <laughs> they actually give Jeff Harry. Daniels Isn't great Harry, Harry and, and Lloyd. Yeah, yeah. And Lloyd, yeah. Uh, they give Jeff Daniels great scenes by himself. By himself yeah. with where he gets the bird. Yes. Yeah. Oh. With oh. And when neighbor? he goes on that date yes. with. Uh, oh yeah. Lauren Holly, yeah. which is my favorite sequence in the movie yes. too, the snowball fight. You know, I'm it's sad. It's a Jim Carrey movie, and I'm praising Jeff Daniels, but that's how much I love both of them together in this movie. It's yeah. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. Yeah, the Fairley Brothers directed it. By the way, yeah, you can't it, find a job in this town unless you want to work forty hours a week. week. It's one of the greatest. Well, that's lines. what I was. Well, and I always love too at the end when Jim Carrey confronts Lauren Holly and he's like, you know, of all the, he like quotes like Casablanca, <laughs> you know, of all the men in all the world, and this is that. He's like, what are the odds of a girl like me and a guy like you ever getting together? And she's like, he's like, come on, you know, one in a hundred, one in, one in fifty, and she's like, more like one in a million. And he goes. The way that he pauses, and then he smiles with that chip tooth. He's like, "So you're telling me there's a chance?" Well, the best is when That's she comes in with that guy. So he said, good. "My favorite part of that joke is when she comes in with that guy, and he says, what was all that one in a million talk?'" Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the best. <laughs> it's just the brilliant. Yeah. Well, um, she was married. When she actually married in the movie, uh, Lauren. The char- well, in real life, they got married. Yes, Lauren, I know. But in the movie, her character was actually married. Yeah, she was married. To, she that was the guy that was kidnapped. Yeah, yeah. I also love the line, "Rapist wit." Which always gets me every time. And there's a great one. He goes, don't you have that soft romantic uh, feeling, Lloyd, when you want to bone someone? <laughs> when you just want to bone her? Uh, I mean, it's stupid. And, 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 and it, yeah. it makes me laugh. It's dumb. Every, it's, it's dumb, dumb. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Jim Carrey and Lauren Holly actually fell in love yeah, making this movie. I'm, I'm they never, did. It's a great movie. I mean, yeah, just go see it. That's probably the best. I mean, well, is it on? Is it, is it streaming at all? Cause you I'm can't sure it's on TBS pretty much rent every it. other oh, week. Okay, so. Shoot some money that way. <laughs> go and rent it. <laughs> Don't let it stop Dumb you. and Dumber 2, not quite as good. Remember we saw but that? It's still fun. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. it was a stretch. I, I actually I mean, enjoyed I loved, Dumb and Dumber I love seeing it's, Jim Carrey with the chip yeah, tooth. You know? yeah. It was, it was refreshing too. to see the characters again, but the storyline and the overall... It was a little forced storyline, yeah, but yeah. it was fun. It wasn't fun. as good as the original. I mean, the original no, was just not. so... It, it's classic. Yeah. Uh, it has a really good 90s soundtrack, if I remember, too. It yeah. was a Pete Drodge kind song. Of, I, kind of like a like an alternative. Yeah, the Fairleys always put piled together these really eccentric kind of alt-rock soundtracks during the 90s. It was a mix of like like a 70s standard, then you throw in a lot of modern rock and stuff like that. Yeah, there was, yeah. I remember there was an Echo Belly song I liked. Um, I forget what it was called, but I like them. They're the what, unknown the, British the, band. the dog van. The dog van. Oh, yeah. The mind control. <laughs> dogs. Well, <laughs> well, the thing that's <laughs> just canine. so great about dogs that is that, him. like, they find the suitcase with all this money, and they seem dumb. They spend all the money trying to return it to the owner. Mm-hmm. Oh, 
Uh, was it Samsonite? They thought the owner was Samsonite, yeah. which is the brand. Yes. Of, yeah, I love that. I yeah, love we're that. looking for Samsonite. The other classic is like, uh, this is the monkey, monkeys. They were a big influence on the Beatles. <laughs> it's another great line. Um, oh. Well, Tony, you got the the, yes. the movie. The I movie. Would. The defining Jim Carrey movie, no matter what anybody says. Ace Ventura. Pet I mean, Detective. Yeah, we wouldn't be sitting here probably without that movie. No. I don't think. That okay, this movie was the... Aside from The Little Mermaid, this was one of the first movies that I can recall getting really excited about seeing. You know, I was nine when it came out, and actually eight, because it was 94, so I was turning nine that December. I think it came out in the summer. And I saw the previews, and I remember telling my dad, we have to go see that. Like, just watching the previews alone, I fell in love with the character and thought it was great. It was hilarious. I loved... um, you know, obviously the way that he looked, you know, just the mm-hmm. the, the bird. The, uh, Jim Carrey said that he kind of modeled Ace Ventura to look like a cockatoo. Yes. You know, with the hair and, and the goofy, the bright colored clothing. He was on Conan O'Brien recently, and he wore a T-shirt that a fan gave him that had a cockatoo as dressed oh, as wow. Ace Ventura. On, he was wearing that shirt, and Conan loved oh. the shirt. He was raving about it. And that's but, but everything, when you talk about character development and and you know as a as a comedian you guys know that I'm really character driven that's mm-hmm. what I love this character is so brilliant and one of the things i love most about him is that he's kind of like a secret asshole yeah like pb yeah. herman pb herman's like a secret asshole yeah, yeah. i love that i love yeah. when you have like these eccentric characters who are cocky and confident and they're kind of like secret assholes they're good people yeah. but they're also just you know they have their accent they're eccentric and I mean the way that he walks, you know, East Ventura has that walk, and then that uh, the car, and how he drives the car that the windshield's broken out, and he's sticking his head <laughs> through the. He said recently that he was he basically was acting like a parakeet. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That was a that was the, inspired. The, yes. The body with with the body. Yeah. And yeah. Cockatoo. Was it cockatoo? Cockatoo. 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 Yes, cockatoo. and the hair, and but I mean just everything. I look at this. this the, the taglines again, which I've always loved, is a strong character. With a good tagline, you know, Fire Marshal Bill, let me show you something. Yeah. Ace Ventura has, oh, righty then. Yes. I always thought, like, one of my favorite is when he's, um, there are so many favorites. Because this movie had such an impression on, you know, little eight-and-a-half-year-old Tony, just mm-hmm. from a comedy perspective. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just fell in love with Jim Carrey, not, like, in the romantic sense, but I did think he was cute, but I thought he was so cool and just... Mm-hmm. You loved him as an actor. I loved it. I just loved yeah. everything about this movie. And and even, like, some of the adult innuendos that I, I didn't really get at the time, I knew it was funny. Like, in the beginning when he returns that dog to the one lady, there's a scene, she, like, goes down on him. And he's, <laughs> yeah. like, swinging around. And he's, like, whoa. Sure. <laughs> he's, like, people sure are friendly. I mean, it's yeah. just so, they make light of a lot of really adult things. But, oh, man, I love it when he's driving the car and he pulls into the parking spot and he's, like, like a glove. <laughs> like it's just. I didn't even know what that meant when I was and like. And then he fit right in, <laughs> yeah. like a, you know, like a glove fit. I know, but that, well, I was little. And I was that's, like, yeah. that's the thing I love is it's intelligent. Mm-hmm. You know, it actually is intelligent. You know, and then when he's like, "You must be the Monopoly guy." <laughs> Thanks for the free parking. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think uh, Ace Ventura I mean, sounds like the equivalent for you that like Bill Murray and Ghostbusters was for me. Yes, yeah. it's just it's yeah. that it's that character that really left a, a mark on you. And I mean, one of my all time favorite insults is. 
when he goes to the police station and Lois Einhorn, who we learn is actually the football player, you know, mm-hmm. and he, she hits. Dan Marino's in it, too. Yes, yes and Dan yeah. Marino, Tone Loke, Courtney <laughs> yeah. Cox. Yes. Right before right, Friends, right. she was in it. Yes. And um, and she's great. She has good comic sensibilities, you know. Um, he goes to the, he, and he's Sean trying Sean Young plays that. Tra- yeah. Yes, he's trying yes. to get Tone Loke to give him, like, Police intel or whatever, and Tony's yeah. like, "Man, my boss is coming. You got to get out of here, Ace." And then all of a sudden, she's behind him, and um, um, what does she say? She's like, "Well, is it, I'll be shocked if it isn't the pet dick." And then they go on, and they kind of banter back and forth. And she goes, "Ace, if you don't get out of here, I'm gonna make your life a living hell." And he like pauses, and he makes like a funny face, <laughs> and he turns and he looks at her, and he goes, "Well, Lois, I'm not really ready for a relationship." When I am, I'll give you a call. <laughs> and then he's like, your number's still 911. <laughs> and then he does that, where he does, like, the snap thing, and he goes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and like... then, like, walks away. I mean, just, and then there's a senior, he, he doesn't pay rent, you know? Uh-huh. So he gets home, and he's got all the animals. And the landlord's like, or no, he, the landlord's upset because he's like, I hear animals in that race. And he goes, yeah, Satan? Or the guy is, like, down the hall, and he's like, ace? And he's like, yeah, Satan? <laughs> I mean, just the little subtleties. And then... I love it when he's at the when he goes to Ray Finkel's house and what's her name? Courtney Cox calls him or he calls her. He's like Melissa. It's Ace. She's like Ace. Where are you? And he's like I'm in Psychoville and Finkel's the mayor. <laughs> <laughs> That's no, awesome. Just just I mean, like I goofy. Could, yeah, I love listening to you talk about how much of an impact this had on you. At I that just age. loved yeah. it. I really really loved it. The second one was not as good because it's always hard to compare to the magic Is that the, the one first. where he came out of a rhinoceros? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's all I remember. It was called Call of the Wild and there were Nature, Nature, Nature Calls. Nature Calls, that's yeah. it, that's it. There were some it's funny hard. moments but it just wasn't as good as the original. Yeah, that's a one-off, you know. He's... Yeah, I mean, the original was just, it had a good storyline too, you know, the whole dolphins getting stolen for the Super Bowl and but it was very of its time. I think it's it was the one time where I remember like you you knew someone beca- hit it big. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you just knew yeah. he hit it big. It was a, I, it was a gold mine. Yeah, because yeah. it was all him. There was no other. It was well. And I think it was, people uh, said he never saw a performance like that in a long time. That was that over the top and like that kinetic. But but people you know? like 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 believable. Like yeah, you know, people loved. I mean, and the thing too is that Ace Ventura character catered to adults. Children loved it. There was an innocence to Ace. It wasn't, I mean, yeah, when I watch the movie now, there are definitely some sexual, like, innuendos for the adults, but, like, it's not a bad, there's not violence, there's no. not, you know, mm-hmm. nothing like that. It is just a fun, kind of clean comedy, and and with his personality being so eccentric and the character and the goofy lines and the way he, he uh, interacts with people. Like, mm-hmm. I remember the scene where the one guy gets pushed off the balcony, mm-hmm. and the lady next door is like, I heard screaming, and or something like that. And anyway, he's testing out the sliding doors, and everything. Like, yeah. oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, and then, I mean, it's just... It was like on a smaller scale. It was like when Sean and I uh, were young, we rented the Police Academy movies yes. over. And Bobcat Goldway was probably similar to that, where he it was, was this guy that yeah. we just w- always wanted to see. He just appealed yeah. in this way. Yes. over the top, and he was making funny voices yeah. and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, but he was also like a believable character. Like Ace Ventura was intelligent. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and there's yeah, that, he was a good he detective. He was a good detective. He really was a good detective, and that's what I liked about it, too. There was that mystery quality that I like. You know, in terms of okay, this happened. We got to put the pieces together and figure out what. But then the, the comedy sets in after <laughs> when they realize what's his name, Lois Einhorn's a man. Yeah, and he's like Einhorn and Finkel, Finkel and Hunter, and then he like gets in the shower <laughs> and he's like, oh, because yeah. he kissed him. 
I mean, it's so absurd. And then he's chewing all the gum, and Tim Marino's like, Jeffrey, wearing that gum? And he's like, I'm going to ask you to stay out of my personal affairs. It's one of those rare moments. I remember in the mid-'90s, like, it, number one, it was a sleeper hit. It came out during, like, the winter or spring of 94, and nobody expected it to be... It was just one of those movies that came out. It it became a massive hit. Yes. And it was also a star making. It was one of those few moments where you saw a star being born, like an actual movie star. It was Ace Ventura that, yes, this guy's going to have a big career. Because he signed like $20 million for Mask, right? Yes, yeah. Or it was he got the Riddler after uh, Ace Ventura, I think. That's how he signed Well, Ace was the first one that came out. Then I think The Mask. Yes. And then Dumber Dumber. Then Dumber Dumber. And then Batman. Fi- yeah, Batman. And then Batman. So he probably got the most for Batman, I would imagine. Yes, that's the because his. I still probably yeah. not the highest paid actor yeah. in that movie, oddly enough. Probably you know? not, yeah. yeah um, considering that cast. Um, Although he was probably the draw at the time. Yeah. But yeah, so I think Ace Ventura, I mean, it's just. And think about it. You can't, when people say Jim Carrey. That's probably one of the first. That's uh, three Ace movies Ventura. we talked about. Yeah. Ace Ventura, The Mask, Ventura, and Dumb and Dumber yeah. are the three movies that people think of. But I mean, when I'm talking about like characters, if you say name a classic Jim Carrey character, it's going to be probably Fire Marshal Bill, yeah. Ace Ventura. Ace Ventura, yeah. You know, because the, the Mask wasn't really up. like a character. It was just a. It was a condition. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it was. Actually, yeah, great. That's a great way of putting it. It was a condition. It wasn't it was. a character. Yeah. It was. Yeah. He had that. He was only that way when he. They never the called mask, him or, the Mask exactly. in the movie. Yeah. Uh, Lloyd Christmas is kind of famous, but not nearly as yeah. famous as Ace Ventura. <laughs> Lloyd Christmas. Yeah, Lloyd Christmas, that's a great name. <laughs> and Ace Ventura is such uh, a great name, too. I love, yeah. oh my God, and then when he goes to the bathroom, well, I love when he jumps into that tank. Yes. And he's like, it's not snowflake. It's not snowflake. And he's like, you know, flailing around, and he comes out, and he's all wet, and everybody's looking at him. He's like, do not go in there. Yeah. Woo! Yeah, that's right, that's right. I mean, all, like, there's so many great one-liners or moments yeah. that are just really funny. Yeah, it, it was it was a huge huge hit. It was a, it was a pure comedy, like you said. Yeah, it was, just a, it was like the pure, purest. It was just a lot of, of fun, comedy. and like you root for the Ace character. Yeah. You know, he's you just. He was it was a showcase for Jim Carrey. Oh yeah, it was yeah. really his showcase. You know and what I can do at the end too, and they're like, yeah, it really was. Yeah. At the end, they're like when they're when the um, Miami Dolphins are giving Ace the credit because mm-hmm. he found the beloved snowman or whatever. He gets get into a fight with the mascot on the other. Yeah, do you remember? And he's like punched him, and, and they're like a lover of all animals, and he's like fighting this other human. Yeah. <laughs> it's just silly. It I mean, is. it's just fun. Well, that covers, I think, everybody's uh, Jim Carrey movies. That, this is great, actually. I loved yeah, this conversation. I did, too. It went into detours. Oddly enough, our honorable mention stood out as much as the actual picks. So yes. that was a fun take. And we got to talk about... Uh, um, In Living Color. Batman, Living Color. And Batman Forever. Batman, Batman Forever. 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 <laughs> this is fun. Uh, we're all big fans of Jim Carrey. I, I, I'd like to see him continue mm-hmm. to do great things after Sonic. Like, I think that reinvigorated him creatively, and I think yeah. we're going to see great things from him in the next and decade. I, yeah, I just really think he has a good heart. I think he's a, a really good guy, and I've always really enjoyed just watching him in interviews, too, and, and um, I'm glad he's back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, like, like Jim Carrey and maybe Will Ferrell are probably the two funniest actors to mm-hmm. emerge from that era of the 90s. Although, Will yeah. Ferrell didn't really come off, take off in movies until the 2000s. The 2000s when that's when he did but Anchorman. It feels like there's yeah. a trade-off between Jim Carrey and Will And you know what's a, what's a cool parallel? You know, uh, Ron Burgundy is like Jim Carrey's Ace Ventura. Yeah. It was the character that set him That set was kind of his Ace Ventura. Yes. Yeah, it really yes. is. And yeah. In a lot of ways, that's, that's a napped point. Mm-hmm. So... So that's Jim Carrey for everybody. Uh, we, we're all big fans. We hope that you 
we gave you some recommendations to either revisit or check out for the first time with these. One movie I really quickly that I never saw, but I'm surprised I haven't when I was doing my research was has either of you guys seen The Majestic? I've only seen bits and pieces of it. Never saw it. It was considered a disappointment. Was it? It was like I I understand it's about like Hollywood in the '50s, so it just sounds like it would be something I would enjoy. I just wondered if you guys had seen it. It was uh, the uh, Frank Darabont directed it. He did The Shawshank Mm -hmm. Redemption and The Green Mile, and I I had high hopes for it, but it got critically panned when it was Mm. released, which is sad because I thought it had a lot of potential. Yeah. And Jim Carrey playing a Jimmy Stewart-ish character really appealed to me too. Mm -hmm. So I might check it out just to see. Me too. We should. We should check it out. I might just Mm -hmm. check it out. so that's uh, our Jim Carrey podcast. I hope we gave you guys some suggestions on what to look for. Uh, and continue to follow us on our social media, like yes. Twitter and Facebook and all our other outlets. Yeah, and, and connect with us. What are your favorite Jim Carrey roles or yeah. movies or moments? I'll be posting that this yeah. week to ask people directly about their favorite Jim Carrey you know, moments and stuff like that. I'm really curious to see what other people have to say about that. Yeah. See if it coincides with what we picked. The thing, too, that I love so much about Jim Carrey as an actor is he really is versatile, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He is a phenomenal, um, um, how, how, what would you, outlandish comedian, you know, and he's so talented with his impersonations and, and his physical. He's a physical comedy. But he's also a really phenomenal, dr- dramatic actor, he is. I think. He is. He's a fantastic actor. He's got a lot of heart, and, and I like that. You know, it's hard. It's it's really, really hard, I've always thought, to make people laugh than it is to make them cry. Because people can resonate with something that might be sad, that mm-hmm. would that would tug on that heartstring. But but to be able to really make somebody laugh is, is kind of hard. And, and to is. be able to do both in a really meaningful way, like I think Jim Carrey has, that's unique. We don't have a lot of actors that are that strong of a comedian. Yeah. And also that wonderful and believable as a dramatic actor. There aren't, no. I mean, Tom Hanks probably has that to some degree. But not, and... the, not the physical outlandish comedy no. that Jim Carrey does. I mean, Jim Carrey is, is almost, he's that Robin Williams level. Yeah. And there aren't many people on that level of comedic. Robin Williams was another one who was believable as a yes. dramatic actor. You know, I would I would say that they're in the same school. They are. They you are. just don't see that very often. No, that's a great comparison. Robin Williams went through the same mm-hmm. transitions, and actually, it was very effective in dramatic roles too, especially like Goodwill Hunting and The Fisher King and those kind of roles. Even Mrs. Doubtfire, where he did both. Yeah, there were really heartwarming moments where he was the dad. Let's know? not forget Popeye. <laughs> Which I think is on Netflix. Yeah, it is on Netflix. Yeah, with Shelley Duvall, who's perfectly <laughs> yes. cast as Olive Oil. Uh, but yeah, you're absolutely right. That's an apt uh, comparison between mm-hmm. those two. So. I just think it's a rare thing that sometimes, because we have it right in front of us, you know, we, we lose sight of how wonderful it really is. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I agree. I think that's, that's a real unique gift to go from comedy to drama mm-hmm. that effectively. Yeah. You know, like someone like Bill Murray, who I love, Bill Murray almost, it's kind of a blend between his comedies and dramas. Like, it's not much, he kind of plays Bill Murray. I was just going to say, he, he kind of plays himself. himself into yes, that stuff. yes. Yeah. Kind of like the Jennifer Aniston's, which isn't bad. No. But, but Jim Carrey, really, almost every movie, it's a different Jim Carrey. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. It is. I actually just watched Yes Man. Have you guys ever seen that? I have it's not on seen I've not seen Yes Man. Not bad, not yeah. bad. I thought of it. It's kind of fun. He says yes to everything. It made me think of improv. It's kind of like Liar um, Liar. It has kind of that same it, tone, um, right? Yeah, but different, different. Yeah. He, he's a little bit more mature and just in his himself. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, it was just interesting. But even then, even that, because that movie he's playing, if any, he'd be playing more of Jim Carrey than he would be in like a right. Ventura type of thing. Yeah. But I don't know. He's just, I just love 
I like him. Yeah, yeah absolutely. All right, man. enough said. No, enough that, said. that's enough. <laughs> um, yeah, like I said, everybody, we would love to hear your take on Jim Carrey, and uh, we'll be posting a lot of Jim Carrey content building up to the episode, so look out for that yes. as the episode's being posted. <gasps> we should do a duel, a poll, who's better, Fire Marshal Bill or Ace Ventura? Ah, there you go. There's a there's a, there's a a poll idea for you. That's a good idea, actually. Uh, <laughs> So uh, keep out and look out. I have some interviews I have uh, that I might post and, as well. And I'm going to find that commencement speech. Yes. I believe it was at the um, – it was a, um, a meditation. Um, I love that speech. Uh, it's so powerful. When, the story he tells about his dad. Yeah. And my favorite line is when he says, you know, I watched my father, who could have been a great comedian, settle for a job as an accountant and then eventually lost that job as an accountant. And I thought, you know, you can fail at what you don't want to do, so why not take a chance at what you do? And that just arrowed to the heart like – Resonates. Yeah, his it life does. is so short, and he's absolutely right. You can fail at what you don't want to do. Yes, like a hundred, you know, like ninety percent of us, or you can be that ten percent that says, "Yes, I'm going to give what I really right. want to do a try." Because why not? Yeah. No, it's a great speech. I, I love that speech too. Yeah. I've watched it at certain moments in my life. It's really that touching, and he's very heartfelt in it, yeah. and and you see him in a really honest way. Yeah, I, lo- I love Jim Carrey. I, I'm really glad to see him back in the spotlight. And like I said, I hope to. You know that that this momentum that's being built because of Sonic the Hedgehog continues for him into further movies. You know, and and, and a point where they're not making the kind of movies that Jim Carrey used to make in the '90s anymore. No, and that time is gone. You know, that time in his life is gone. I think that time in in cinema is gone. People don't want changing landscape. It's a changing landscape. Thank you. Yeah, but he can he he can still find a place. He can. There's Uh, always a niche for anybody that talented out there. Absolutely. yeah. So thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, keep a lookout for all that Jim Carrey content. Thank you. This was a great episode, by the way, yes. guys. I really enjoyed this. And uh, we'll see everyone next Me time. Me too. Bye, Bye. guys. Bye. Listen, pet dick. How would you like me to make your life a living hell? Well, I'm... Not really ready for a relationship, Lois, but thank you for asking. Hey, maybe I'll give you a call sometime. Your number's still 911? Alrighty then. First time I set eyes on Mary Swanson, I just got that old fashioned romantic feeling where I'd do anything to bone her. That's a special feeling, Lloyd. Yeah. Why don't you go over and introduce yourself? That way, you can build me up so I won't have to brag about myself later. Tell her I'm rich and uh, I'm good looking and uh, I have a rapist wit. And you are? Chase. And what a grand pursuit you must be 